This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brett Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Woolsey. Well, good morning. Welcome to the Smart Investing Show. I am Brent Woolsey. Just about 8 o'clock, 8.02 on Saturday morning. Great to have you here this morning. Uh, every Saturday morning, talking about investing, finance, making you a smarter investor. And remember, we're on for two hours here uh, from 8 to 10. If you have investment questions or you want a fundamental analysis of a stock you own or look at buying, selling, or holding, Remember, the numbers are 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And as always, that'll get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, but no opinion about what you want to talk about. And with me, as always, almost always, wasn't here last week, is Chase. Good morning, Chase. How you doing? Good. Doing real good. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, got a lot going on here. But yeah, out of town last week. Great to be back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Put it on my golf tournament today. So I got a couple of texts coming through, but uh, good to be back. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. You got your shirt on today and I, and I look over like you're like uh, all over the place. Kind of like I got this golf tournament in uh, what? Four hours, I guess. Four. Uh, it's gonna start yeah, I'm going straight there after yeah. this to go get set up and ready to roll. Yeah, we have about 82 people registered and 18 whole sponsors and a, a, a beverage sponsor as well. So it's it's going to be a good event. We're looking forward to yeah. it. Yeah, And you had uh, a lot of people that just uh, sent in donations to the foundation. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's uh, <clears throat> it's been a good good few weeks for, for my charity here. And, and the foundation, we should tell what the foundation we're talking about, the foundation is for. Why don't you explain that? And if they do want to send in a donation, how they do it. Yeah, of course, of course. So it is the, the Fighters Fight Foundation. Uh, can reach us at fightersfightfoundation.com. And it is a breast cancer charity. So what we do is we actually provide experiences to, to women that are in stage three, stage four breast cancer. Uh, you know, just kind of devastating hearing a lot of the stories um, that, that we kind of deal with. Uh, unfortunately, our most recent one, a woman has stage four breast cancer, was diagnosed here pretty recently, and I was talking to her significant other and doesn't know how much time she has left, so they want to enjoy a really nice meal together at their favorite restaurant up in Oceanside, so we're going to make that happen for them. I mean, that that's what we do is we want to make sure we provide the, the best experiences uh, so that they can enjoy that quality time together. And that's a family with the kids and stuff is what it is? Not always kids. I mean, we don't discriminate against okay. families, but we have helped a lot of single mothers with, right. with kids because um, we'll do Christmas presents at the end of the year. Um, so we'll, we'll make sure that, that they're taken care of in that regard. That's always an exciting uh, experience that we do is we call it the Christmas experience where we'll make sure we get a tree for them. We get, you know, Christmas right. dinner for them. We get presents for the kids uh, just so the, the mom doesn't have to worry about kind of getting all that planned and ready because she's got to deal with her doctor appointments, her chemo, all, right. all those difficult things they go through. Yeah, and I just want to explain that because, again, yeah. it's not, it, it is kids, but not just kids. It's for people that really, again, families and is a yeah, whole. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. And it is a tough thing to go through. <clears throat> so that's what we're all about. And, you know, yeah. we appreciate any support we can. Again, the website there is fightersfightfoundation.com. And good looking t shirts, too. They can buy those t Can they still buy the t shirts? Yeah, you can still buy the t shirts yeah. online. Yeah, you should there. kind of turn to the Facebook camera so people oh, can kind of see turn it. Turn around right here. On radio, they can't see it. Yeah. Describe it. It's black with two gloves in the middle. and I can't describe it. So, well, let's turn to finance, talk about finance because a lot of things, as always, going on. 
Uh, more potential new- bad news on inflation was released uh, uh, this past week coming from the producer price index. It rose 1% for the month of July, and that's double the consumer price index for the same period. Now, year over year, producers saw their prices increase by 7.8%, which also was above the CPI report yesterday, or actually previous day of uh, July of 5.4%. So we got some issues here because the producer price index is what producers are paying that eventually gets to the consumer. Yeah, and I mean, this is record-breaking is what it actually is Mm -hmm. for the PPI. It was the highest on record since the index was created in November 2010. And this will really squeeze producers' profit margins. Eventually, they will have to pass on these higher costs to consumers. I mean, just reading conference calls for the businesses we own, higher costs and increasing prices for the end consumer has been a regular occurrence. And and, and what we're seeing is, I mean, it's a lot of food companies, which actually worries me. Right. Because <clears throat> this is really the, I'm going to say the easiest type of inflation that, that y- you can have because it's a, gosh, I have to go back to my economic 101 here. Uh, it's an inelastic good, yeah. which means you have to buy. You need food. You cannot right. <laughs> eat. So it's the easiest way to pass on inflation because it's like, well, they still need it. So we can easily raise prices. And I mean, I've read a, a few different food companies, conference calls, and they all say the same thing. It's like, ah, oh, input costs keep going up. So yeah, we, we increased prices earlier this year and, and we're going to have to do it again, yeah. which means the CPI is going to continue to be elevated and not a surprise there. Yeah. And, and, and that is something that does happen with uh, inflation and in where we say it's just very simply too much money chasing too few goods. And if you have, uh, you know, demand is high, which it is right now, and there's a lot of money in the economy, people want stuff. And it's just, I, I got a message on Facebook this past week, and this woman goes, can you just explain very briefly what inflation is, what caused it? And again, it's just very simple, too much money chasing too few goods, because you just can't produce those goods. And when people have a lot of money in their pocket, well, I'll pay whatever it costs. I don't care. I just want it, you know, and, and that's what happened. So yeah. um, I I uh, and I believe the 10-year Treasury was back up. I saw it above 1.3. I don't know what it closed at yesterday, but I saw it. I think it was down yesterday, but it was up the day before pretty handily. Right. So Yeah, we still believe that with inflation that we'll still see higher interest rates going forward. I, I kind of have revised down my expectation for the 10-year note. I mean, earlier this year, I, I thought we could have seen 2%. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think we're going to have a, a 70 basis cl- seventy basis point climb by the end of the year. We we could, right? Um, but <clears throat> I, I think we're looking more at the 1.6, 1.75 range for the, the 10-year note by the end of the year, which will which still be markedly higher than where it is today. Yeah, and I, I, I'm going to stay with my... Still at two percent again. It it may not happen, but we'll see more uh, next month. I mean, I, I I do believe we see more inflation numbers next month and month after. Uh, we will see rates start moving much much quicker. The reason I, I still maintain kind of the, the the lower expectation is, I mean, the Fed has been so strong mm-hmm. that this is transitory, and I I know that they don't necessarily directly handle the ten year note. And they can't say, okay, well, a 10-year note's going to be 1.8 by the end of the year. I mean, <laughs> right. they, they have different factors that play right. a part in that, whether it's, you know, buying the the debt right. or they have the discount rate that they charge other banks. So they have a, a different way of impacting interest rates. But I, I just think they've been so heavy-handed on the fact this is transitory. I think that they can't really lift off until next year. That's that's, And we'll see. I know right. they have Jackson Hole coming up here. As yeah. well, yeah, and I, I was gonna say too. I mean, a, a few months ago, a couple months ago, no, 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 it's transitory. We're very firm and so forth. What I'm hearing and reading is that they seem to be loosening up a little bit. 
Yeah. If they keep loosening up this month, next month, we could see that. So, and that's the thing. You can make predictions and the data can change. And that yeah. prediction, well, you got to change the prediction because it's changes. Why I say the 2%? Because I feel that they're going to continue to loosen up and all of a sudden, oh my God, you know, and, and, and again, and if we come in at 1.9 at the end of the year, I'm going to say, okay, I was pretty close. <laughs> I'll be yeah. happy with that. And, and the thing I do want to point out is that's such a great point is that, your predictions are predictions, and they're 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 subject to change. A lot of times, yep. this is going to happen, and it, you, you got to be flexible in those predictions because things are so dynamic; they're always changing. And one key point I want to make out is just because we make a prediction on the macro basis doesn't mean we're really changing our perspective and our investment philosophy right. on on the micro side because we're still <clears throat> buying great businesses. That's what we want to do. I don't care as much what's going on with the 10-year note. It's going to impact our investments, but there's so many different factors are going to have a role in that. Our whole philosophy is we're buying businesses. And a great example is COVID. Yep. You know, last year we thought we were going to have a great year investing at the beginning of the year. Well, who would have saw that we had to shut down the economy? Your predictions had to change come COVID coming full circle there. Exactly. Well, speaking with many investors, they are concerned about the rising debt of the federal government, including the most recent $1 trillion infrastructure bill was passed by the Senate. Now, this whole thing is very confusing, but currently I'm not concerned about that because of political or politics being politics. I mean, it just, you know, it just is crazy what goes on. And based on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's comments saying they will not take up the infrastructure bill until the Senate also passes the anti-poverty and climate plan. This gets very confusing for investors. And it is part of investing because it can move things. So trying to understand this uh, is important. Yeah, I, absolutely, and uh, I, I kind of lost where he left off there. So, yeah, but, but you know, because again, we, we talk about how it's been pointed out by, by many. Uh, there are many challenges with the anti-poverty and climate plan, and it could take months and, and never get passed. And that's what I'm saying: don't yeah. get yourself as an investor so wrapped up in the politics that you freeze and you panic and you don't invest. Yeah, I mean, and the thing too that you have to look at is that as an investor, don't worry about the noise of perhaps trillions of dollars being added to the debt of the federal government. Focus on the economy and what an investor is paying for an equity and how that company will benefit from a strong economy going forward. I mean, as you just kind of said, there's so much gridlock in D.C. We know that they, they just can't agree on anything. No. I mean, it's a shock that we got the infrastructure <laughs> bill through. But, and I just I don't see this climate right. plan, you know, clearing. I mean, even Joe Manchin, who's I think going to be the biggest factor kind of holding this up, is saying I, I worry about releasing that much money into the economy. You know, and I don't want to get into too much in politics, but I got to say he's a, a good politician. Yes. Because he's doing what he thinks is right. And he's, he's just saying it's just too much debt. I, I can't, you know, on my good conscience say that, yes, it's good just because I'm a Democrat. He really is a – we need more people like that, that, that do what they believe is right, not do what they think they should do because they're in a certain party, whether it's Republican or Democrat. I mean, it, it, it's just we need no more – politicians like him that actually do the right thing. But the thing again with investors, don't get so wrapped up in this. And I and I know it I said it passed in the Senate, but now like, well it may not pass in the House. I mean it yeah. this will go on for months. Um, so don't get off your investment track and oh and we get this from people, oh the administration's terrible and this and that and so forth. And we we did this back in two thousand sixteen. People got upset about Trump being elected. Oh this is terrible and so forth. Well they missed it on that. If they did the same thing back in November, oh, Joe Biden's invested, you know, president now, I'm going to get out of the market. Again, you keep missing things on politics. Look at the business, look at the economy, 
Look at what's going on. Look at the whole picture. Don't just focus on the pol- politics. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it is just so crazy. I, I remember when Biden was elected. Oh, my gosh, taxes are just going to go through the roof. <laughs> right. We're going to borrow all this money. We're just going to give all this money away to people. It's going to be terrible. And the thing is, some of that has happened. But not all of it. All no. oh, the 401ks are going to change and the tax rates and the capital gains are going to be gone and the, the estate tax is going to change and the step up in basis is going to be gone. And not all of that's going to happen. You, you know that that is just impossible to pass all that legislation through Congress. We have checks and balances in this country, which slows things down quite a bit. Right. So, again, you can't just freak out when things like this happen. You have to deal with them. <clears throat> And time will go on. And I will say on that trillion dollar infrastructure package, I mean, there's some things I don't agree with necessarily in it, but it's not that bad. It's not we're spending a trillion dollars tomorrow. I think it's over like 10 years or, you you know, it's a hundred billion a year, really, if you kind of break it down that way. And I I forget the exact time frame if you look at it, but it's it's not a trillion dollars this year. Yeah, it's not going to be like all of a sudden, oh, the debt went from 28 trillion to 29 trillion because we borrowed all at once. It is over a 10 year period. So do keep in mind as well. Understand what's going on. And again, it still has to go through the house. And we know that there's some crazy things in the house. You've got the the, uh, the extreme left, which they may not like it because not enough. I mean, so so don't get so far off on the politics. And, and you know what, what the problem is, Chase, is politics is exciting. You've yeah. got the fighting going on, this going on. It's exciting, you know, and it, it's, a, it's a shame because that's an emotional thing. What's it do? We say no emotions, just results because it can't get you off the investment track. Well, I do kind of want to circle back on the infrastructure bill, too, is, uh, as I said, there's things in there I don't like. But also, too, there's things in there that we do need. I oh, mean, yeah. you yeah. know, the I think Bridges, we do need accept, and yeah. and the one thing that that's I'm gonna say less typical infrastructure, but more modern infrastructure is the broadband. Yeah, I mean, I, that is pretty darn important in our our economy and the infrastructure of that economy. I, I think that's an important uh, aspect of this this new infrastructure bill. And yeah, you know, said the roads, the bridges. Right. We need that stuff. There's stuff in there, as I said, that that's not so great, but. That's politics. You kind of have to deal with some of the bad to get some of the good. It's a negotiation at the exactly. end of the day. But, you know, you just got to make sure it's not all bad. <laughs> it's not all bad. And you're going and, and, and to get some bad. And yeah. that's the thing. I don't focus on the bad because things will change. And, you know, one thing, too, I am older now. It's just like, gosh, I got to accept this change of the way things changing. And and things are changing. It's going to be different. You're going to have things that, you know, 40 years ago, like, what? what's going on? And I do want to point out, we're getting way off topic here, but I do remember, too, back in the 60s and 70s, oh, my gosh, these hippies, they're going to destroy the country, and they're just going to these concerts and getting all- Woodstock. Yeah, Woodstock. <laughs> like, oh, well, we have a similar thing now, just, uh, you know, what do we say? It's uh, uh, always the same. Uh, it's always it's different. different, but, but it's always, always the, the same. same. I came up with that saying. I couldn't remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so. Um, um, all right, I do want to point out that uh, we'll be taking calls in about five minutes here. Uh, Joe LaMesa, stay with us. You'll be first up. You want to call in, got that uh, question about investing, about uh, a company you hold, not sure if you should hold it, buy it, sell it. Give us a call here at the studio, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Chase, I got to talk about uh, last uh, week you weren't here. I did talk about the unemployment numbers and how great they were and so forth. But with the ex- uh, extended unemployment benefits set to end next month, people should have no problem finding a job. Why am I saying that? Well, the Jolts report came out uh, this week, and in June, we saw a record 
1.07 million jobs openings. More openings than we have people that are going to fill those jobs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to, just to give you <clears throat> reference here, kind of to expand on what you just said, in the most recent unemployment report, we had 8.7 million people that were counted as unemployed. So we have about a, uh, I know not quite, but about a 1.5 million <laughs> discrepancy when it comes to uh, the unemployed and the job opening. So it definitely seems to me like there's plenty of work out there and businesses need the help to continue their climb out of the pandemic. And I, I, I've talked about this before as well, is if you look at this, one of the biggest problems of this inflation, potential inflation, mm -hmm. is the supply chain. If we don't get these jobs filled, we can't produce enough goods, we're going to have issues with inflation because, yeah. again, that's part of the equation. You said too much money. We have a lot of money in the economy already. Chasing too few goods. Well, now we can't produce goods. Now we're going to have more of that too few goods. <laughs> it's it's going to be a problem. So this is why it's so important. We do need people to get back to work in different areas because the economy needs to continue its climb out of it. And and I mean, too, just, just speaking about the business side, is these small businesses have just been decimated during the pandemic. They they need this cash flow. They need that help to, to get back to normalcy in terms of running their companies. Yeah. And, and you know who's really benefiting from this big time? Hmm. Sign companies. I can't drive down the street without saying, help want to sign this and come work for us. And yeah, I did. And I got to bring this up. I, I thought it was kind of funny because I thought it was so original. I was in uh, Vons at the, um, at the counter there and they had a sign. We were hiring people with smiling faces. And so I said to the guy, I go, well, how are you going to see the smiling faces? Because you guys have to wear masks. He goes, ha, ha, ha. You think the first one would <laughs> But everywhere, you see a sign about help wanted, come for us, yeah. smiling faces. We're looking for great people. I mean, I, I think in a daytime frame, depending on what you go out, you'll see 10 or 15 openings of people saying, we want jobs. Yeah. We have a listing for a job. We, yeah. want, we need somebody to fill our, in our office there. So yeah. everybody's looking for good people. So the jobs are out there, which is great. And, and one thing that I think should happen here is the unemployment benefits, as you said, in next month. I do think, and the, and the job openings lag by about a month. We saw a great jobs report here last month. I think you're going to see another great jobs report yeah. this month, and an even better one as well to continue with this, this kind of climb as those unemployment benefits right. end. And I, I'm going to be very curious to see what happens in Congress. Here's another focal point that I think they'll they'll fight over, especially now that we've seen the, right. the Delta variant and, and these concerns. Oh, we need to continue. the. I do not think that should occur, but we'll, we'll see what's going to happen there. You know, and I hope they don't say that because how can you continue it when, because you're doing that because people couldn't get jobs. You know there's 10 million jobs out there. Are, is Congress, is the Senate not reading the jolts report? Do they not see that? They just ignore it? I mean, come on, you guys got to look at that. And, and, and I would be very disappointed if they extend that 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 uh, benefit it, it it would concern me politically what direction we're really going in this country so all right uh phone number is 866-577-2473 that's 866-577-2473 and before i go to the calls i didn't mention that on thursday uh, evening august 26th at six o'clock we'll be holding our smart investing workshop showing you how to invest our clients' money, and how we invest our own money as well. I've been in the finance world for over 40 years. I've seen a thing or two, and I'm going to share those uh, items with you as well. <clears throat> we will be discussing the question I hear a lot lately. Do you think there's a correction coming? Talk about it early in the show. Yes, we talked about that. 
how important is compounding for investors. This is something people don't realize. Also, too, we'll also give you our thoughts on the current inflationary environment. We'll also go over in detail all the numbers, which means the ones we're concerned about here, we go over these. We'll explain these to you. Things we we do in investing, we're going to share all that with you. <clears throat> it is a free workshop, but you got to sign up. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Or call the office at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Talk to Brianna. She just signed up. And again, looking forward to see you at the free workshop in Scripps Ranch on Thursday, August 26th, 6 o'clock. See you there. All righty. Let's go back to the phones. Let's go out to La Mesa and speak with Joe. Joe, you're on the Smart Investor Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning, guys. Hey, um, real quick, about two or three weeks ago, my company, which is a local uh, consulting company for, for the government, for DOD contracts, we were bought up by a very large company. And uh, this new large company, they have all kinds of rules about um, independence and compliance and all that kind of stuff. So much so that the first the first order of business was for every person that was coming from the old company to the new company, we have to report all our assets, our holdings, including do you have life insurance, do you have long-term care insurance, auto insurance, the whole nine yards. You had to put in if you had a broker. And if this broker, which mine didn't, this broker is not part of their BDIP, Brokerage, brokerage, um, something, import uh, program, brokerage uh -huh. data import program. I don't know if you heard of the BDIP. Have not. No. Yeah. So if 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 they're not part of this big network, then my options are to uh, quit my job or <laughs> get rid of my get rid of my broker or go to another broker. Right. Right. So. <laughs> The problem is I've had this broker for like 15 years, and it's in a brokerage, a pre, pretty big brokerage firm. It's called Equitable. Right. And uh, and I'm just wondering, have you guys heard of this whole independence and compliance requirement for – it's a big audit firm. It's one of the top four. Right. I don't really want to say it over the phone or anything like that. Who knows who's listening? All that kind of stuff. I'm not that, that bad. But anyway, I was just wondering what your thoughts on – you I mean, know, my, my, my thoughts are just like I'm, I'm in disbelief because I don't see how a company can tell you you can't work with that brokerage firm with your outside money. Is that what you're saying or is it just the 401k? Yeah. Oh, money? yeah. See, no, it's 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 everything. I have to tell them who which which bank I do business with. Wow. I have to tell them. Yeah. Which insurance companies I have across the board, every type of insurance you can think of. Joe, Joe, I got, I got, I, I know it says here La Mesa. Are you calling from China? I mean, th th this is not the United States. I, I, I don't, well, you got something there, Chase? Well, I, I'm, I'm going to say, I mean, well, I, to be honest, Joe, I, I haven't heard of anything this, this controlling. I, yeah. I do know that I've dealt with different clients that have had, you know, uh, like, working for the FAA. So right. they couldn't buy anything related to airline stocks, yeah. including any suppliers for the airline stocks. Which, right. You know, I understand that. That makes it a little bit more complicated when we manage our money, but we just can put notes in there to make sure we don't buy that. Uh, also, right. the other difficult thing, and, and unfortunately, this is more on the private side, but we had 
a person that worked at one of the larger accounting firms and and we just couldn't manage the money anymore because the list is always changing and there was thousands of securities. Yeah, he was part of the big six, I think it yeah. was, so a thousand securities they dealt with, so therefore you, therefore you can't we couldn't buy any right. we couldn't buy anything right. and you so don't have exact, to that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. This yeah. this company is called one of the big four. Okay. They're a, they're uh, a big financial accounting firm. Yeah. And what they have to do is they've got they say it's a bunch of regu- federal regulatory things that they have to uh, prove or require that none of their employees have any kind of conflict of interest, which, uh, like if they if they say, hey, Rush, you can't buy Apple stock, or um, because we are, uh, we are. Um, the, the auditor for we do, Apple, yeah, right. We're an auditor for Apple. Right. So right. that would be a conflict of interest. If we went in there and say, you know, hey, you guys are good to go because we know Russ got Apple stock, so his his stock's going to go up if they're good to go. Right. So they, they kind of have to keep, you know, a whole bunch of CYA and all that. So I get it from that point of view, but this company is huge. It's like $47 billion worldwide, yeah. 267,000 employees. And so they hired this little company of mine who all we do is defense contracting um, work. I mean, I don't get into buying the contracts yeah. or any of that stuff. Right. None of us do, but uh, I just... Yeah, and, and, and Joey, it, it did kind of change when you said that it was an accounting firm. Maybe I missed that in the beginning because, yeah, it's a yeah, big accounting okay, firm, yeah. yes. They, they do have a lot of companies they're dealing with, so I get that part. But what I don't believe they can do is say, well, you can't work with your broker, but your broker cannot buy these things. And as Chase pointed out, we, we had a client where we just said, you know, we can't do this. And, yeah. and your broker right. may have to do the same thing, say, sorry. And, and you may have to just end up buying a, a mutual funds because of the fact that your company has so many different, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's what we ended companies. up doing for our, our client was we said, we, we can't help you, but we said, you know, I'd, what we'll do is this is the, the value fund that we'd recommend. And, you know, <laughs> if you leave that job down the road, one and a half to have you come back, but we can't really help you at this point and don't want to charge you a fee for something we're not really doing. So this is what we would right. recommend for you. But it, yeah. it, it's unfortunate. It, it is right. a part of the business, I guess. And I, I think a job's pretty important to you. I was going to point out, too, though, I don't know if you heard, yeah. but we've talked about the Jolts report. There are 10.1 million <laughs> jobs out there. So maybe you can find another well, one. I don't know. So this, so this is a pretty good job. I've had it for about 20 years. I'm yeah. not really interested in losing the job because of the broker. The, and and the, hit, the thing is, I guess the brokerage that he works for has the option to join this BDIP for, but for some reason or other, they decided not to. Not to. I mean, there's, there's like 91 different major brokerage firms on this list that I looked at and they're just not one of them. Right. And they don't want to do that. I just don't have another choice. I'm just have to go a different direction after 15 years with the same guy. But what if, I'm not going to give up my job because of that. No, yeah. no. And, and, and just tell the guy he should understand as well as we did. Like, yeah, we, we get it. Uh, and again, we did the mutual fund. And when you, if you do change jobs, come back. And the same thing with your guy. And, and uh, yeah. But again, the accounting does make a big difference because they are so concerned about you getting information, inside information, and it just everybody gets in trouble with that. So that's the reason. Uh, why. Yeah. I just, I just okay. wish since we, because we manage the money, is right. they don't have any input, but I guess there should be some way to audit that we're buying it for our clients and, and right. you know everyone, but there's not. I guess the only other option, and I think it's expensive, is you could do like a blind trust, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh. you know, but that, that gets kind of complicated. I know politicians will do that when they get in, so they're not 
impacting it in any way. They have no idea yeah. what's being bought and sold. So yeah, yeah, exactly. that's All complicated. Right, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for your input. Appreciate it. All right, Joe. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye bye. You too. Bye. All right, that opens up the phone line eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven. Two four seven three. That's a very interesting conversation because it is happening. I'm hearing it more and more because I think maybe firms, accounting firms, are getting bigger and bigger, getting more companies. Uh, we do have a couple of attorneys. Uh, they seem to have different rules. They say, "Well, just it, just, just don't tell me." Yeah, you have discretion, so it's not my decision. So that that's the difference there. But for the big accounting firms, you know, uh, they they don't care. And it, it it was so unfortunate. I know they they divvy out fines and, and oh yeah, it's like. Yeah. Not just a slap on the wrist. They're, they're quite expensive. Oh, yeah, because uh, the fines would be big. Be, but, uh, but, again, if they got caught for insider trading, how big would their fines be for yeah, the exactly. company? So that's what they're looking yeah. at. All right, let's go back to the phones here. Let's go to San Diego and speak with Howard. Howard, you're in the Smart Vest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you out? Hey, how you doing? Love your show. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. How you doing? Good, good. So I'm curious about GDX. I was in it in the past. Uh, had a 14% return, got out, and then uh, then gold dipped this past week. Mm-hmm. The inflation report came out, and uh, I got back in. I just want to make sure it's a, it's a good move. Okay. And, and one thing, Howard, I always tell people, just a, an idea. You might want to call us before you get back in as opposed to after, <laughs> but it's just an idea for you. Uh, we'll take a look at uh, General Dynamics. Wait, no, 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 it's not General Dynamics. It's what? GDX. Are you, are you looking at, I have a couple different options here. Oh, you um, know what? Is it the VanEck Vectors Gold Miners ETF? Is that what you're looking at? That is correct. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, what? yeah, because I put in GDX and uh, General Dynamics came up. So uh, what is it, the VanEck uh, Vectors Gold Mine ETF? Yes, an ETF uh, okay, of different so gold miners. As further down, I just took the first one on the list. Okay, so uh, now I come up, it says we currently do not cover this company. It's, it's an, an ETF. ETF yeah, yeah. 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 So, so do you have uh, anything else pulled up you can kind of look at? Yeah, the ETF I did case? just okay. kind of pull up what it's invested in. So, I mean, one of the bigger things that you got to look at here is, I mean, the top 10 holdings make up about 62% of, of the ETF. So... Newmont Corp actually makes up about 15.5%, and Barrett Gold Corp is 11.23%. So just the top two companies even make up over 26% of the entire ETF. So you've got to make sure those are good businesses. Um, you know, one thing that kind of scares me about the gold miners is it, it is pretty much tied to the price of gold. So if gold is going to do well, these gold miners are going to do well. And if gold's not going to do well, these gold miners are going to struggle. So it's really going to stem from your perspective on where gold's going to head. I know we're a little bit bullish on gold right now. I think that there's some good opportunities in it uh, as a, a good short-term inflation hedge. So I personally like to to buy the GLD, yeah. which is the ETF, rather than uh, the gold miners. But uh, that's just a personal kind of thing. This still gives you exposure to, to gold in, in a different type of fashion. So I... I guess it's hard to answer if it is a, a good move or a bad move. I, I think it's I think it's an okay move. Yeah, it's an okay move. I understand the reason for doing it. Uh, again, as we said, we like to play the pure play of gold with GLD um, because it just— There's a know, lot of risk with miners because they're all over the world. And, they're all you over know, the world. And, and a lot of times in bad places. Right, and also, too, and it, then if they have a bad quarter or whatever, they can go down and go one up. So it adds another— uh, element of risk yeah a variable in, in into it so yeah so if you're trying to play you know the hedge with inflation i'd say go gld you can even go probably silver if you want to usually another one i just like the the gold better 
But uh, the gold miners can do actually better if they have great earnings, but also, too, I've seen them be cut in half because of poor earnings. So be careful there. All right, Howard? Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. All right. That is on the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And, Chase, I'm, I'm devastated. I, I, I could barely answer that question because I was looking for something, and it came up that the Lamborghini Contouche is back, and it's a hybrid. Oh yes, it's like I'm sorry. Lamborghini should not be hybrids. I mean, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> and I, I, I was really stuck. When I saw that, I just stopped and froze. Like, you know, because they've not come out with a new car. No, no, they come out with a new one every ten years, but they've also gone the realm of the hybrid uh, route. And uh, I was talking to somebody about, uh, uh, okay, Brendan, sit down. So it's okay about Tesla, uh, <laughs> and you know, Tesla, oh, how great it's going to be, and so forth. But I mean, the competition coming in. From now around the world, when you see a Lamborghini, again, it's a hybrid, not electric, but still, you know, there's going to be so much competition for the Teslas of the world down the road. It's just going to be amazing on the EV market. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right. Phone number is 866-577-2473, 866-577-2473. Let's go back out to San Diego and speak with Mike. Mike, you're in the Smart Vessel. Brent Chase, how can we help you? Well, I'm the... Uh asking about Qualcomm over the years I've been in and out of it a couple well several times and I'm thinking that might it now might be another time to get back in it's off of its high and and I'm uh, enthusiastic about the 5G and uh, the, the chip shortage and so forth I thought maybe this is the time to get back in well Mike, you think? yeah you could be right let's take a look at the numbers on Qualcomm symbol is QCOM we do see a P.E. ratio of 18.6. That's about half the industry at 31.2. Uh, price of sales looks uh, kind of expensive, 5.2 versus 3.8. Uh, this is a surprises me. No price of tangible book value for Qualcomm. Uh, I guess there are intangible assets that have increased because they used to have a tangible book value, I believe. But right now, no price of tangible book value, same as the industry. Price of cash flow, 15.7. That's just below the industry at 16.8. They do pay a dividend of 1.8%. That uh, They use about 33% of their earnings to pay that out. Now, sales of Qualcomm looking extremely good, up 62.9%, well above the industry at 2.9%. And earnings per share year over year for the last 12 months, wow, up 238% when the industry is only up 22 Look at the balance sheet here. you got a current ratio of 1.7. That's the same as the industry. Surprising this as well, debt to equity, 192 versus 74. They used to have a clean balance sheet. And keep in mind, the equity is intangible assets you're basing on. So if they have to write down those intangibles, the debt could rise. So they appear to have a much heavier debt level than they used to have. Return on equity, wow, 160 versus 19.6. I'm going to look at the balance sheet while Chase is looking at the um, – uh, earnings going forward here. Uh, net profit margin, 28.3 versus 12.3. That's a positive. Receivable turnover, 13.6 versus 5.3. And inventory turnover is at 4.8, just under the industry at 5.8. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? And I do believe while you're pulling on the balance sheet, it, it's not so much an increase in debt as it's more buying back stock. I know they Using bought the back a ton of stock, which... Um, Number one has elevated their earnings per share, which is a positive, but the downside has reduced their equity. So yep. uh, definitely would want to understand more about that story there. But looking at the current price for Qualcomm, $147.15, 15 
52-week high here, $167.94. And the 52-week low, well, that's $108.30. If I go out to September 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $9.25. Unfortunately, that would give us a target sell price of just $153.55. I say just because it is above the current price of $147.15, but it's only about $6. We like to buy companies and we have a 30% margin of safety, so it would currently be placed in our hold category, not our, our buy category at this time. Uh, and, and what I'm kind of looking at here, the balance sheet, it's very confusing because, and this is only for the last four quarters. So one thing I was kind of looking at, are they using cash to buy back stock? Their cash is about the same uh, at uh, $12.9 uh, up from actually 10.6 So cash is going up, so not a big decline there. They could be using cash flow to actually pay that off, which I, I, don't, I won't have time to look at the cash flow statement. But then I did look at the debt. Uh, the debt is down from 15.4 billion to 13.6 billion. Uh, that's long-term debt. Regular debt's about the same. Uh, equity has actually increased. Uh, it was 3.3 billion uh, four quarters ago. Now it's 8.1. So you got some good numbers here. Um, but I remember again, it was ter the debt to equity was really bad last year. I remember, so it looks like it's improving. And, yeah. and this is one thing that, that gets really hard, Mike, is um, the debt to equity. We can kind of see a story here. They do have good potential cash flow to actually pay off that debt, but it, we, we just stick to our rules on that debt to equity. And sometimes we'll miss companies, yeah. but we just don't want to take that risk. And all of a sudden, that cash flow gets cut off for whatever reason. And oh my gosh, now they can't pay off that debt. We were wrong on that expectation. So we don't like to bend the rules on, on the debt to equity there. Um, and as I said, sometimes we'll miss it. Qualcomm does have tremendous cash flow. I don't see it being a problem, but we don't bend the rules because once you start to bend the rules, you have no rules. Right. And, and you want to buy a great company at a great price. And, and that's the thing. It's it's not terrible. You said it's in our whole category. Um, who knows what could come up? It could pull back. So I, I think it's great that you're looking at Mike. We think it's just maybe a little bit too early to get into it now, so I'd, I'd say keep watching it, and hopefully you get a better price down the road. All righty? Well, I appreciate that. I, I kind of agree with you, but I was uh, looking at the future, but the, the could get back to its high again. Yeah, yeah. And it is so we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Yep, and that's a possibility. Uh, but again, you, you you'd hate to invest it just because you think it's going to go back to the high, and then it doesn't. Like, oh, I should have waited. So that's why we use our fundamentals because we're not right all the time, but we do things for a reason as opposed to guessing or using emotions. So uh, again, it could turn around, go back up to its high, or it could drop. And then you said, yes, good thing I waited based on the numbers. All right, Mike. Yep, you bet. Thank you, guys. All right, thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye bye. All right, that does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And actually, right now, it's time to talk to our financial planner, Harrison Johnson. Harrison, good morning. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, guys. I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Very excited about this topic. I think people really need to understand more about <clears throat> the HELOCs. And what you're going to say, because again, this comes up in your financial planning. So we want to hear what you have to say about how that fits into financial planning and what people should be doing and maybe shouldn't be doing with HELOCs. Yeah. So HELOC, for those of you who don't know what it is, it stands for Home Equity Line Credit. And so basically what that means is if you own a home and you've got some equity in that home, even if you do have a mortgage, if you still have some equity, then you can open up a HELOC. And so that's using 
remaining equity that you have as collateral, and then you can get yourself a little line of credit there. Now, in most cases, it doesn't cost anything to open up, and it doesn't cost anything unless you actually use it. Um, but, you know, you, you could use it uh, there for really anything you need. So what I recommend is, you know, everyone who has equity should really consider opening one of these things because it gives you a little bit added liquidity. It, it can act as a portion of your emergency fund. It can be used for all sorts of things. Um, the benefit right now, especially with interest rates being so low, is, you know, if you do use it, it really doesn't cost that much. So. Many uh, banks and credit unions that offer these things, sometimes they have introductory uh, promotions where there, you might have a six or 12 month uh, period where the interest rate is only one and a half to 3% or something like that. And then after that introductory period, it may be three to 5%, which is, is still very low. And so, um, you know, again, I, I recommend people have one of, things, one of these things just to, to kind of stack on top of maybe an emergency fund that they have, or if they're looking at doing some home remodeling or, or upgrades, this is a, um, a way that you can finance that as opposed to trying to save up some cash or maybe liquidating some investments and paying taxes on those gains in, in order to invest in, in your house. So um, it, it's just another quiver in your, uh, or another arrow in your quiver that you want to have that, that can be a nice tool there. And also, Harris, I mean, one thing about people, I mean, you talk about the, the pros of it, is that people sometimes have this bad feeling that, oh, I, I can't borrow against my home. There's good debt and bad debt. And, and again, to have that line of credit you're talking about could be a good thing because, and again, you can't go overboard with anything, but this is why I think people say, oh, I want no debt on my house. Uh, that's not always the, the smartest thing, is it? I, I don't think so. You're, you know, you're exactly right. And you're right, this does have somewhat of a negative connotation to it because technically it's a second mortgage. Um, and so, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't even want to have one mortgage, let alone two mortgages on my house. But it comes back to, well, what are you using these funds for? Um, and do you have the cash flow to, to make these payments? Because let's say you've got, you know, $100,000 stock portfolio and $100,000 line of credit. Well, if you want to upgrade your house, assuming you have the cash flow to do that, Right now, it'd be a lot better to use the HELOC as opposed to using the stock portfolio, selling stocks, paying taxes, um, you know, and, and then not having that money invested as opposed to the HELOC. Well, you know, you, you might only have an interest rate of 3%. You can make payments on that over any period of time that you like and get that paid off. So um, assuming that you can afford it, the purchase or whatever you're, you're financing, it, it is a, a an efficient way to do it with the current interest rate environment that we're in. Yeah, and I think it's kind of got like a bad connotation because like a people that went way overboard, they borrowed too much money, they lost their house, like, oh, that was terrible and so forth. Because, you know, businesses, they have to balance things. As a financial planner, you, you, you work with people to balance things, to maximize their assets, their income, and also their liabilities. And, and the great thing, too, with a HELOC is it, it gives you that flexibility. You don't pay interest unless you pull funds out of it. So it, it gives you that that opportunity to say, oh, gosh, I, I'm kind of a little strapped here. It, 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 great example. We had a have a client that right now has uh, taxes they have to pay from a property they sold. Right. Well, now they might have to sell stocks to pay those taxes. Well, what happens after they sell those stocks? 
a lot of them, unfortunately, are short-term gains. Yep. Now, next year, they're going to have more taxes to pay. <laughs> it would have been far more beneficial to have a HELOC open and say, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll pull the money from the HELOC, pay off that HELOC at just pulling out a 3% interest rate. Wow. Even a 4% interest yeah. rate. Yeah. So, yeah. And the thing people don't realize is that you got taxes to the federal, taxes to the state, and also the loss of the growth of that income that you would have had you not done it. So, and again, as a financial planner, these are things that you work through the numbers with people. It's not just an emotional decision. It's like, well, let's look at the numbers because maybe it's not a good idea, but you'll go through the numbers. And the other thing too that we always tell people, and I, I, I think we've said it many times on this show, is people will give you debt when you can get it, right. but they won't give you that debt when you can't. You know, right. like if you're, you're in a... Or, I forget the exact phrase. Unfortunately, I, I said we say it all the time, and then I forget exactly what it is. That's because I've been off a week. You know, I, I'm losing my mind over here. But I think what we say is people will give you debt when you don't need it, but they won't give you debt when you do need it. We actually say a loan, but yeah, yeah but it's the same. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah well, they'll give you a loan when you don't need the money, when you need the money. Like, oh, I lost my job and your loan. Sorry, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. I think the listeners. Let me just ramble over here. <laughs> But uh, and it is yeah. so important. That, that's why a good financial planner can kind of work with you. And again, to keep them on track because people, you know, again, and you can't tell people, well, you can tell them that's not a good idea. They can still go out and do it. But you give them the financial advice based just on the finances, not on the emotions or these crazy rules out there. Oh, never take debt on your house. No, that's not true. Could be a good time to do it. So, could be a good time to do it. I mean, another good example is um, sometimes I see people who are in retirement and their assets are basically their house and then some IRAs and that's pretty much where the bulk of their assets are. So if something were to come up, well, if you pay for whatever happens with those IRAs, now you're paying a lot of taxes on those distributions. So having a HELOC there, it kind of gives you another backup so in case something comes up, you can use that. Also, if you do reinvest it into the house, you can deduct that interest on your Schedule A if you itemize. So, um, you know, it, it is a it is a tool that can be a lot better than you know, selling stocks or, or even using cash. And in a lot of cases, having that allows you to invest a little bit more cash so you don't need to hold so much um, all the time just in an emergency fund. And, and Harrison, uh, real quick, one, uh, and I remember a client I had a few years ago. Uh, this is one thing, too, that people may want to think about before they retire. She was retired. She had her house, and that was really her only asset, and she had no money to pay uh, some uh, debts that she had, and she was cash flow negative. Well, the bank would not loan to her because she was in retirement and had no income. So, yeah, she owned the home, but the bank said, great, you own the home, but we're not going to give you a loan because you don't have the income. So, again, just some pre-planning to think about this is something you should have set up before maybe retire because, and again, you got to have that balance, but you've got to have the income to borrow against it. And if you lose your job or retire, you may not have that. Yeah, exactly. And again, you know, it doesn't hurt to have it there. Um, you can have it and not use it, and there's not a problem with that. Uh, so it, it's just a, something that I recommend a lot of people really strongly consider getting it if you don't have one. <laughs> now, I want to be very clear here. Our recommendation on a HELOC is don't go open a HELOC and just say open it for $75,000. do not just go take out $75,000 for fun. Right. <laughs> you you <laughs> yeah. want to open it as a credit line, not not just to have fun money. <laughs> right, right, exactly. That's, right. Where, that's where debt becomes a problem. Exactly. Say, oh, okay, well, it's only 4% interest. I'm going to go spend it. It's like, well, no, we're not going to do that. But <laughs> if you know, we need to finance something or we need to spend money, this might be a better way to do it than all other alternatives. Yeah, I'm going to borrow against a house to take that trip to Europe I want to take for two months. <laughs> yeah. That's not a good idea. 
<laughs> well, Harrison, thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Have a great Saturday. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you later. Okay, bye-bye. Uh, again, that's Harrison Johnson, our CFP, our financial planner at Wilsey Asset Management. If you want to sit down for a free consultation with him, you can go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Or you can call the office, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. You'll hear his name in the phone tree. Just pick that and talk to him and set up a time for a free consultation on getting your financial house in order. All right, phone numbers here, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Before I go to Jim in San Diego, I do want to talk about the workshop coming up. It is coming up on August 26th. And again, we're getting towards the end of earnings season here. What does that mean? How's it affecting? What should investors be doing now that some earnings are released? Uh, there's a lot to talk about at this workshop that we have coming up on August 26th. We're going to show you how we do the numbers, how we're going to target sell price, how we're going to target buy price, all these important things for you. But what you have to do, you have to sign up, you have to register. It is free. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Or call the office, speak with Brianna, 858-546-4306. Again, that's 858 858- Five four six four three zero six, and Brianna could just signed up, and we'll see you at, in Scripps Ranch on uh, August twenty six six Thursday six o'clock. All right, as promised, let's go to San Diego and speak with Jim. Jim, you're on the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi, Brent Chase. So I have a question on stock Steel Dynamics. Wonder if you could look at the numbers, please. Okay, do you hold that or looking to buy it? Uh, looking to buy. Okay. Well, let's take a look at uh, Steel Dynamics, symbol is uh, STLD. We do see a good start here. P.E. ratio is only 10.9 versus 11.2. Price to sales, eh, they're okay. 1.15 versus 0.97. Price to book value, 3.5 versus 3.1. And price to cash flow, 8.3 versus 10.1. Now, we do see the dividend yield is 1.4%. They only use 15% of their earnings to pay that out, so that dividend is pretty safe. Perhaps they could even increase it a little bit as well. We do see sales were up 35.6% year over year above the industry at 21.7. Earnings per share did climb by 170.3%. Uh, the industry, a strange number, a strange number here, uh, increased their earnings by 27,000%. So something strange with that number. Look at the balance sheet for Steel Dynamics. We do see current ratio 2.8. That is better than the industry at 1.9. Debt equity, 61.9, about the same as the industry at 60.8, so no problem on the balance sheet. looks pretty good. Return on equity, that's 31. That's well above the industry at 23.5. Net profit margin checks in at 11.2 versus 8.6. That is good. Looking at uh, receivable turnover, 10.7 versus 9.5, and inventory turnover, 5 versus 4.8. So this company looks pretty good so far. I mean, I'm kind of nothing really great, nothing really bad. I'm kind of curious what the earnings going to look like. Yeah, I'm going to point out, I worry this rode the wave of infrastructure and, and mm-hmm. kind of the trend a little bit too much. And and I'll kind of give you some more numbers here that, that actually look pretty good, but also concern me at the same time. Starting with the current price, $72.94. 52-week high, well, that's $73.22. As I said, it's been riding that, oh, infrastructure, yeah. infrastructure, infrastructure. It's climbed off the 52-week low of $28.31. So, I mean, it's gone up tremendously already. I go out to December 2022, and I see estimated earnings per share of $7.90. I mean, it'd give us a very attractive target sell price of $131.14. 
But the problem that we see with steel companies is their business is extremely cyclical. As we kind of talked about with the gold miners earlier, it's a similar type situation with these steel manufacturers. And I'm going to point out in 2020, the company made $2.84. Well, now this year, the company is estimated to make $13.55. Go out to next year. As I said, it's now just seven dollars and ninety cents so it, it's cut and gosh probably i'm gonna say about 40 percent of what it yeah. is now and then going out even one more year to 2023 now they're looking at 568 and it's gonna be less analysts but the problem is it looks like we're hitting that peak cyclicality where now all of a sudden that target sell price looks attractive but over time if that cycle starts to diminish now that target sale price is going to start to diminish steel manufacturers are a very tough company to play because you almost have to buy it when it doesn't look like a great buy and sell it when it looks like a great buy because of that that cyclical nature of the earnings. And I did look at the number of analysts too. I mean, for and this is kind of strange, for this year, uh, 2021, six analysts does bump up to nine for 2022 and still eight for 2023. So those numbers are pretty good numbers to work with. And, and it is kind of funny because you think about it, we talked earlier in the show that, you know, the infrastructure bill will be for like 10 years but apparently the analysts are saying there's going to be a lot in 2021, which I don't know. If I, I think I think part of it's not just the the infrastructure bill, but I think part of the earnings, not so much the, yeah. the trend and the hype investing is stemming from the, the price of steel is <laughs> as yeah. this price of steel is high. Well, now that creates the allure of having more competition come in and produce that steel. And it also uses steel cars. I mean, a yeah. lot of things are, are being done right now. So the infrastructure bill, I think you're right. I think that came up because of that, but a lot of it's happening now this year, which it could be disappointments down the road. And I forgot. Do you remember what the target sell price was? You came. I left it on one thirty one fourteen. You know, I might ask for it. Yeah. So, so that sounds pretty attractive, but it kind of worries us here, Jim, because it may not be as good going forward. It could be, but it just when you look at the, All right. you know, it, it, the variability. The variability. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I know they had quite a run uh, already, and so that's kind of one question I had: how the numbers look in spite of that you know so. oh and i did look at the range on the estimates too of december 2022 the high was 1062 and the low is 410 so that tells you that these analysts we like a closer number that means it's pretty strong that uh 790 for 2022 is not that strong of number being such a wide variance there so nobody really knows <laughs> well nobody really knows and it, again, again the numbers yeah. <clears throat> i mean they they look good and sometimes you have to understand those numbers. And again, we do look at the standard deviation. It's 2.16. Uh, for 2021, it's 0.76. Kind of gives you another idea how wide that is. So it's just, it could do it, but you're paying a lot for a company that hopefully continues to do well. So if you like to buy high and hopefully sell higher, you might be okay, but you're definitely not right. buying low. <laughs> okay. I think they're kind of a pretty well diversified also. They don't, uh, as far as other steel-related products, I remember looking at them a couple of years ago. We, we came down to them and another steel company, and uh, they did look pretty good. Um, they're, they're a little bit better than some of the other steel players, but um, yeah, I, I think they're, they are a pretty strong one, if I recall correctly. Yeah. All right. Hey, Matt, may I say something about uh, the infrastructure? I know sure. it's not a political show, but um, I thought we had an infrastructure bill during the Obama administration, you know, when it was all recovery and infrastructure, and we... But I don't see we have a whole lot to show for it, really. No, I, I don't but remember that myself. If I'm wrong. But, um. uh, I don't remember the, uh, I mean, that was many years ago. That was like 
10, 12 years ago now. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I know. It is amazing. <laughs> but I don't <laughs> well, remember an infrastructure bill from Obama years, but there could have been. Okay. Yeah. You, you know, rebuild this, rebuild that. But all yep. right. Yep. Well, it's, it's all that. The people forget, you know, and then it's all brand new again. Yep. All right, Jim. But, uh, well, thanks. All right. Well, thanks for your help. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Bye-bye. I, I, and I was, I was going to say, you know, on steel companies, be careful you don't buy a steel company the wrong price because it could steal your money. Oh, oh yeah. okay. okay. All right, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right uh, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Uh, do want to mention, too, that we also have uh, coming up in the second hour, it's just going to be a, a quick interview, something very important, uh, a gram from shelter to soldier, uh, it's going to talk about their charity for a few minutes here, and we, we want to talk about that. It's a good charity. We'll be at there. Uh, gosh, when's the event? Uh, I think it's uh, two weeks from today. Yeah, coming up on August 28th. Yeah, we'll, we'll be out there. We're going to take out the, uh, the Lamborghinis for display and stuff, and we'll be there uh, part of the, uh, the festivities. But, Graham, we'll talk about that uh, at the 9 o'clock hour. Uh, let's see. Do we have time? Well, you, you know, gosh, we only got about two minutes left here. Uh, you know, I'll promote the workshop again because – the workshop is so important to really help you understand investing. I mean, we just talked about like with Jim about uh, the the steel company to really understand the business. These are things we talk about at the workshop, really understanding the business, looking at the numbers, looking at the financial statements, uh, reading about the business, all these different important things we do, coming up with a, a target sell price. If you really do want to become a smarter investor and really understand investing, this workshop is designed to help you out because we show you everything that we do it is free but you have to sign up for it go to our website smartinvesting2000.com that's smartinvesting2000.com you can also call the office at 858-546-4306 that's 858-546-4306 and get you signed up and we'll see you on august 26th that's a thursday six o'clock uh in scripps ranch i see we got some facebook uh uh, people will hit after the uh, second hour here. Uh, Jason, uh, I think, uh, Synchrony Financial, Vincent, uh, AT&T. Uh, so we got some great things here. I do see Jim in Chula Vista. Uh, Jim, you'll be next up on the phone lines. Uh, people you want to call in, again, we have the whole next hour here, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. So much more important information to get out to you to help make you a smarter investor here on the Smart Investing Show. So uh, we've got uh, other information, too, we want to talk about. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and I, I know uh, Jason on Facebook, it, it's not so much looking at synchrony. It's more really? of like a um, tax-type question and a portfolio management-type question. So I, I think it, it's going to be a, a unique one for our listeners. So we want to make sure we cover that in the second half because it, it's, a, it's a unique one. I mean, a lot of times we spend time talking about is it a good or a bad business, but not so much on, on the portfolio construction and, and making sure it's diversified and, and properly allocated and, and also to the tax side of it. So. Yeah. There's a lot of moving parts when it comes to investing. So different things we talk about. There's a, the second uh, half music coming up. So stay with us. You're listening to Smart Investor with Brent Chase. We'll be right back uh, after this quick break.
All righty. Welcome back to the second half of the Smart Investing Show. Yes, those phone lines are open. 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. But before we get back to your calls, and again, Jim and Chula Vista, hang on with us. We're going to do a quick interview here on a very important subject with uh, Graham Bloom. Uh, Graham, you with us? Yes, I'm here. Well, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm doing very well. Thank you. How are you? Very good. Very good. Now, you have a very important topic. You have this charity coming up on August 28th, which I said Chase and I will be there, called Shelter to Soldier. Why don't you explain to our people what that is? Yeah, so um, the, the charity gala will support the much-needed funds to continue our mission. And our mission is twofold. Uh, we're adopting dogs from shelters and rescues. We're training those dogs over an average of 12 to 18 months, and we're placing them as service animals with post-9-11 combat veterans in need. And we're able to do this at no charge, thanks to folks like yourselves who show up and help sponsor the gala uh, and those that continue to support our efforts. And, and, and I guess there's like numbers, I mean, about the, the veterans. I mean, how many of these uh, were active duty? How many, you know, lost their lives? Can you give us some details on, on the numbers there, please? Yeah, it's it's really tragic, uh, and it's what motivated us to start Shelter to Soldier, but we're still losing an average of 20 veterans a day to suicide um, in, in our nation. And, and so, and Graham, uh, I, I got to you said 20 uh, a day to su suicide? 20 a day. Wow. Yeah, I, that's, I yeah, that's an average. Wow. Okay. It, it's Yeah, it's shocking. And, and, you know, those are, these are loved ones, uh, you know, people that have, volunteered to serve our nation and and um they they're just not able to see the light and so our goal is to be the light for uh for as many people as we can uh we're also losing an average of 1800 dogs a day in shelters and, and rescues nationwide and uh while we know we can't single-handedly save them all we're we're doing what we can and adopting those that you know clearly have a higher purpose and and have a working mentality that want a job so um, that's the mission, saving lives two at a time. Uh, again, we can only do it with the community support. And, you know, the success stories that have come out of the program are remarkable. And we've got many more to come. So we're yeah. just trying to do our part in the community, support our veterans. Yeah, that's awesome. I just got to say, I, I love this because it, it really brings home two ideas that uh, I really hold near and dear. It's just our veterans, and I also love dogs. So, I mean, this is a fantastic idea you guys have here. And I do have one question for you. It, it you know, we are uh, investing in an economic type show. I, I am curious, last year, you know, the pandemic was quite heavy for a lot of businesses. I mean, did that impact you guys as well? And uh, I know you couldn't do events, and, and how do you guys kind of get through that pandemic? Yeah. So the, the first few months um, were very scary uh, and fundraising came to a halt and events came to a halt. Um, but shockingly and, and, you know, very gratefully, the community stepped up and got behind us in a very big way. And we had a, a wonderfully successful year fundraising wise. Um, there, there were so many charitable foundations and grants and, you know, our gala last year was virtual and it was nerve wracking and, and worrisome, but it, it went off, uh, without, without a hitch really, and raised much needed life-saving funds. So, uh, despite the challenges, people were still very, uh, giving and kind and generous, and we were able to continue our mission without change. And, and, and Graham, how does this work? I mean, how do you match up the dogs with the veterans? I mean, how long does it take? I mean, do you train these dogs? You say, well, here's a dog. I mean, how's the fundamentals work there? 
Yeah, so all these dogs are adopted um, from shelters and rescues uh, throughout Southern California uh, and, and even parts of Northern California at this point. And they're evaluated. So they're, you know, tested and, and, and hands-on evaluated to make sure that they have the right mindset. And then they go through a series of evaluations during their training process to make sure that they're continuing on the right path to become a service animal. Uh, at the point that they pass some baseline tests, which is typically seven to nine months into the program, those dogs will start meeting approved veteran applicants. And we call that process speed dating. They literally <laughs> date and meet, you know, different, different dogs in order to find an organic fit and match, uh, at which time we're able to officially match the teams. And then the teams go through an average of six to seven months of training together to bond and to learn how to navigate life together as a service dog and veteran handler team, uh, and then graduate. And really, that's where their journey begins, not ends. So 18 months is the average time frame start to finish, um, with 12 of that being the dog training portion, excuse me, and the, uh, the rest of it being the handler portion. Some okay. take longer. Um, we've had, you know, teams take two plus years and, and some have graduated um, quicker, but that's the average for sure. And, and, and uh, Graham, how much do the veterans have to pay to get these dogs? How does that work? Zero dollars. So oh. there's no cost to our veterans. And that's the point of the program. Um, they, they receive the service animal, the hands on training and education, the support of the shelter to soldier family, uh, which includes you know, counseling and therapy sessions, access to events and their service animal. Um, all of the equipment that they get with their dog, and then lifetime follow-up training. Uh, all of that is no charge to our veterans. Well, I, this is very important to, to do that, that they don't have to pay anything for that. But you, we're doing this fundraiser on August 28th. Can you give us some more details on that? I do. Uh, August 28th at the Inn at Rancho Santa Fe. Uh, it's going to be an evening under the stars, an outdoor event, a beautiful seated dinner. Uh, we've got live music with Kay Emmeline and you know, we're, we're just fortunate to have uh, an amazing group of sponsors, uh, including Wilsey Asset Management, the events presented by Cox. And, and look, we're, we're just excited to um, have an in-person event again and raise much-needed funds at the Inn at Rancho Santa Fe. Uh, deadline for tickets and table purchases is the 18th. Um, so that's August 18th is when we need to kind of push our final counts over and, and uh get things rolling. So please check it out. Um, you know, you can purchase individual tickets or tables and there still are some remaining though limited. Uh, and we would love to have you join. We're going to have an amazing event. Uh, and, and again, you know, it's, it's a outdoor under the stars event, seated dinner. So and, come out, support veterans, support rescue dogs. And, and Graham, so if people want more information, uh, where do they go? Website, Facebook, uh, phone, how, what's the best way to get more information on it? Yeah, best way to get more information is shelter2soldier.org and click the events tab. Uh, we are also on Facebook and Instagram at shelter2soldier. All righty. Well, Graham, thank you very much. Uh, we will see you on August 28th, and thanks for sharing with people. I have this very important charity to help out our veterans who have served our country, and uh, we appreciate what you're doing. Well, thank you for having me on, and I uh, look forward to seeing you at the event on the 28th. All right. You have a great day. Thank you. 
Take care. Bye. All right. Again, now you can find out more about Shelter to Soldier. Uh, shelter to Shoulder. Sh- 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 <laughs> too many S's. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Tongue twister. Yeah. Shelter to Soldier. Uh, dot org was a website, or go on Facebook. Look for Shelter to Soldier. Gosh, you gotta get though. You gotta yeah. slow down shelter those S's. Shelter to so- Soldier. Soldier. Shelter to Soldier. There we go. Uh, but uh, yeah, great, great charity. And if you, if you can't come, you can probably still donate money to them as well because such a, a worthy cause. I did not realize twenty veterans a day. That is, yeah, I mean, yeah, mind blowing. Yeah, and especially what they did for our country, and such a shame. All right, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go down to Chula Vista and speak with Jim. Jim, you're not smart vest, Joe Brent Chase. How can we help you? I'd like to know what you gentlemen think of M as in Mary, T as in Tom, M-T. Okay, and do you hold that or look at a Biden? Just recent, just recently bought it. Just recently bought it. Is that M3 Metals Corporation? No, no, no. It's uh, M- Mattel Ar- Arsenal or something like that. It's a Luxembourg company. Oh, and, okay, uh, okay. There it is. Okay, yeah. Arcelor okay. Mattel. Yes, there it is. Yeah, you know, Luxembourg. That's it. Right. Okay. Now, unfortunately, it's in the Netherlands, so now I got to kind of play some games here, try to get some numbers here for you. It's a. And and what did you see in this company yeah. that that kind of attracted you to it, there, Jim? Low PE fundamentals of the company is a, it's the largest steel manufacturer in Europe, and Europe's having a lot of problems. And I figure if they eventually gets their show together, that the uh, stock should go up a few points or so. All right. So made a made a pretty good run from 11 to 35, 36 rather. And I bought okay. a few shares at 35. Okay. Well, I got the numbers pulled up here for Arcula Mattel. Uh, Netherlands company. I think we got that right. Symbol MT. Uh, you are correct. We have a nice PE ratio of 5.9. That's where we start. Price to sales looks inexpensive as well. 0.6. Price to book value also inexpensive. 0.95 means you're paying 95 cents on the dollar for the tangible assets of this company. And price of cash flow also looking inexpensive at 3.65. We do say they pay a small dividend of 0.8%. Use about 4% their earnings to pay that out. Now, sales year-over-year are up 8.7%. Earnings climb by 254.8%. That looks pretty good. We do see on the balance sheet, current ratio 1.3. Debt to equity only 20.9. That's a positive. Return on equity is 18.1. Then we see a net profit margin of 12.1. And then receivable turnover 14.59. No inventory turnover, which kind of surprised me for a steel company. Do you have any earnings on this company going forward, Chase? Yeah, well, I look at the current price here, and <laughs> gosh, the name of it is hard to say. I'm going to say Arcelor Martel, Mattel is the way I'm going to pronounce it. Again, ticker symbol is MT. But it, if I look at the current price, 36.41, 52-week high, right at that level. This is mind-blowing. 36.41 is a 52-week high. <laughs> <laughs> that means it hit that at the close yesterday. And then 52-week low, $11.35. If I go out to December 2022, I see $5.55 in terms of those estimated earnings, would give us a target sell price of $92.13. So again, this looks very, very attractive, Jim. And I, I, I think you were online when we were talking to our last car about the steel company here. But the problem I see is December 2021, they're estimated to make $10.56. Last year, they actually lost $0.77. Cents. And then in 2023, it's three sixty-five. So this year, again, 1056 next year 555 
following your 365, it, it's just such a cyclical industry that you got to really, really watch out for these because it can look great in terms of the PE, but it can really be a value trap because, wow, it's got a, you know, I think it was like a 5.5 PE ratio. Yeah. All of a sudden, that PE ratio could go to 30, let's say, and I, I'm just pulling 30 out. It's not based off any of these numbers. I'm just using it as a kind of a benchmark there that, oh my gosh, it just jumped up dramatically out of, out of nowhere because the earnings are so cyclical. Yeah. And one thing too, Jim, when, when I buy companies for our portfolio, I like to find companies that their earnings will be higher next year, the year after, and so forth. And we're just not seeing that in the steel companies. I, I think the time I buy the steel company was probably probably about a year ago. Yeah. You know, and, it's, and that's the great part about investing is trying to find something that's going to be worth more in the future as opposed to like, well, everybody knows there's going to be some type of infrastructure bill. Everybody knows that uh, cars are taking a lot of steel. So you might be buying at the peak or close to the peak. So we're, we're ourselves, we're staying away from the steel companies. All righty. Okay, thank you. All right, Jim, have a good one. Bye-bye. Okay, bye now. All right, that opens the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. 2473. So, Chase, I thought we'd talk about from Facebook, uh, Jason. You said it's about synchrony financial, but something more about a tax question, you said? Or? Yeah, and, and this is a, a little <clears throat> bit of a longer longer question here, so bear with me. I'm going to drink some water while you're doing <laughs> So, he says synchrony is now 7.32% of his 25 holdings. If numbers are still good, do you just hang on longer? Does he want to sell like 3% of it to get back? He uses a 4% target of his allocation or put a trailing stop percent on it to reap the benefits if it continues to go up. So I figured we can kind of answer that part of it first, and then we'll, uh, there's a second half of it. And and the thing is I want to bring up, we, we never like to use trailing stops. Yeah. Um, it, it's really just kind of a emotional tool, I'm going to say. is you it's either a trading sell tool. It. Yeah. yeah, it's a trading tool. Well, it's and, a trading tool, and I really yeah. think it's an emotional tool because it makes you feel like you're yeah. doing something. Yeah, and, and a lot of traders use it because, oh, great, you know, I've, I've, this is my absolute bottom. Well, the thing that we've talked about before and why we don't use it is that what actually can happen is that you have the stock, maybe it's at 12, your limit is 10. It is very possible for that uh, stock to go down to nine that day and come back to 11 and you got stopped out. So we like to not base it on trading techniques of a, a stop limit order. And there's different stop orders as well. Sometimes you mm -hmm. can sell out even lower than your limit order. So you got to be careful when you're doing those. So we do never, ever recommend using stop orders or stop limit orders. Yeah. yeah. And the other part of that, too, is I, I generally or we generally use a 6% allocation. And we'll let our companies go as high as about 12% of the portfolio. Beyond and, that, 12 15%. I was going to say, can you? because how much was the percentage portfolio? 7%. 7%. And okay. he uses 4% for his companies is what okay. he does. Okay. So it's not too over-concentrated. I wouldn't want to say, yeah, I keep putting it and putting it like back down to the 4%. I mean, that's just going to create potential problems down the road where I would say just, just hold it here. I mean, it's not over-concentrated by any means. Right. Um, and then you, now you got to pay taxes on a great company if the numbers check out, which I, I've seen synchrony before. The numbers do look pretty good. So right. I wouldn't recommend selling any of it just because it appears to be uh, over-concentrated. I wouldn't use that that term in this case because I, I think it, it's a fair allocation. Yeah, at 7%, that is not over-concentrated. And the thing, too, you can by being too quick to sell is you can actually really hurt your performance because that's one of the benefits of a concentrated portfolio is that when you have good quality businesses that are still good quality businesses and still on sale or trading at a good price, it's really gonna enhance the portfolio return. So that's one of the secrets. These are, again, things we talk about at the workshop. Uh, we actually show people a formula of what to actually look at there as well. 
But yeah, seven percent it just no and we we buy six percent, so we definitely wouldn't be selling seven percent. So I, I think he should let it ride. And I think you already gave our number. I mean, we, we start looking around twelve, fifteen percent. And it really depends on the numbers. I mean, if it's getting close, we might pair back a little bit. Depends on the overall portfolio. A lot of different factors you look at. But uh, but I would we don't start looking at it until it hits about twelve percent of concentration. Yeah, yeah. And then the second part of his question just says, kind of for reference, I have some shares as low as $18 purchase price up to $35 purchase price, all long-term holds. If selling, I would take the higher long-term purchase price, which lowers his cost basis. Uh, I would increase the dividend yield based on the original investment and then use that money to purchase or add to another company that pays 1% more. Um, one thing I would kind of point out there is at the end of the day, your cash flow is not really going to change if you sell one or the other shares. But the big right. benefit to selling the higher shares for people to understand is, well, now you pay less in taxes yeah. this year. Downside to that is if you decide to sell Synchrony next year, now you're going to pay more in taxes right. next year because you're just essentially deferring the tax there. But I, I think it if you were over-concentrated, I, I think it would be wise to sell the higher price shares. I, I think that's a, a good course of action. Um, but just know that full well you, you could have a huge tax bill next year if synchrony becomes overpriced and you have to liquidate it and let me throw a ringer in there because what if they do change the tax laws next year to where gosh Fair you point. should have sold the lower price uh, shares versus the higher price shares because that, the next year you could be paying higher on more of a gain and so. also too another ringer is what if you don't have much in capital gains this year and then you have a ton in capital gains next year. Yeah. So it's really going to stem down to the, the capital gains and kind of looking at that. And that, that's, again, where a great financial planner like Harrison comes in is to kind of pull that that tax structure together for you. Yeah. And and, and the way our office works, kind of let people know, is that Chase and I do the management of the portfolio. We really focus on the portfolio. And we always say we'll never make a tax decision over economic decision when it comes to investing. But then we have our financial planner, Harrison, look at the whole bowl of wax to where he will look at the tax situation and say, what is best for you? And then we consult together on, okay, can we accomplish that without messing up or destroying the returns we get on the portfolio, which many people do. They, they get so focused on the taxes that they don't get a good return in the portfolio because they're so worried about saving taxes, they lost a big gain or bigger gains on their investment portfolio. So never focus first on taxes. It should be a secondary thing because paying taxes is a good thing means you got profits. Yeah, exactly. and, <laughs> and again, if you're only going to pay, we'll even say 40% of the short-term gain. That's still much better than paying or receiving nothing. Yeah, I, I love uh, John Preston, who's the estate planner that we work mm -hmm. with at Preston Estate Planning. He always says, you know, if you want to you know, save money on, on rent, you can go live under the bridge. I, you don't have to worry about paying for it. So <laughs> it's the same thing. You know, you got to look at taxes. It's like, well, you know, nobody likes to pay taxes, right. but at least it means that you made money, which yep. is which is not a bad thing. Yep. And all the stuff that we're talking about, if you're saying, wow, that sounds very interesting, these are the type of conversations we have at our workshop. And again, the next workshop is coming up. It's coming up quickly. It's going to be August 26th at 6 o'clock in Scripps Ranch. We're going to be talking about all these important factors. We're discussing things we hear a lot about now about it. Is there the correction company? What do you do during correction? You look at taxes and so forth. We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about compounding. Compounding is very important. I, I, again, if you start selling things for taxes, you're not going to have that compounding. We'll discuss that. We'll also talk about our thoughts on the current inflationary environment and also to all the numbers that we look over, how to really have a good, strong, diversified portfolio and guess what it's all free it doesn't cost you a dime but what you need to do is go to our website smartinvesting2000.com that's smartinvesting2000.com you can sign up right there at the website or call the office 
4306. That's 858-546-4306. Talk to Brianna. We'll get you signed up. I look forward to seeing you at the workshop on Thursday, August 26, 6 o'clock in Scripps Ranch. All right, let's go back to the phones here. Let's go out to, I think, uh, next up was Wayne in San Diego. Wayne, you're in the Smart Investor Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you out? Hi, oh, yes. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, I'd like your look at the stock, the symbol is UMC, United Microelectronics Corporation. Okay. Is that a foreign company or what am I coming Yeah, up? it's Taiwan. Taiwan. Okay. Gosh, you guys going to see these foreign companies here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's update the view on that there. And, and what do you see in that, Wayne, that you're pretty excited about it? Oh, well, it's got a low price and it pays it about over a 2% dividend. Okay. Uh, now, one thing, too, you want to be kind of be careful of these foreign companies because sometimes you could actually lose some of that dividend to taxes. So make sure you understand how that's being taxed before you get but into it. But if it's it. in a retirement account, you don't. Good that's point. true. <laughs> uh, that was the other factor. You didn't let me say that one. So <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's take the number here. We do see the uh, good start. I, I, oh, no, I can't compare it to the, the industry did pop up for me. Uh, so we do see that the P-E ratio 16.7. That's well below the industry at 34.8. Price to sales, 3.8 versus 6.4. Price to book value for United Microelectronics is uh, 3.0 uh, versus 21 for the industry. And price to cash flow is 8 versus 20. So the valuation ratios are looking pretty good so so far for United Microelectronics. Uh, we do say they pay a 2.7% dividend, use 46%. Are there earnings to pay that out? Now, sales were up 13.2%. That's a below the industry. It's 17.7. Earnings per share declined by 178. Uh, the industry is only at 14.9. But again, 178 growth in earnings. There's something else going on there. Could be some accounting. Could be very ter terrible quarter year last year, the previous year. So check that. Why is that earnings so high? Uh, look at the balance sheet. Uh, current ratio, 2.4. That's the same as the industry. Total debt to equity, 31.6. That's about half the industry at 60.5. So good balance sheet there. Return to equity, 19. About the same as the industry at 21. Net profit margin checks in at 22.1 versus 18.5. And we see receivable turnover, 6.5. That is below the industry at 9.0. And then inventory turnover, 6.1. That's above the industry at 4.9. Chase, what do you got for earnings going forward? Yeah, so I'm, I'm just looking here. I, I see the company is a semiconductor uh, wafer foundry. Um, I, I'd be curious, I guess, who they kind of compete against directly. And one thing I do want to point out is uh, we've talked about this as well is the, the concern of Taiwan. And kind of talk about this with the Taiwan semiconductors is China believes that they own Taiwan and they, they want Taiwan. So that is just one thing that scares me a little bit with these Taiwanese companies is China is bigger than Taiwan. And if they do kind of take that over, I think it'll lose some of that autonomy, which is which is a concern that the investors would have to face there. But uh, looking at the numbers here, I, I do like, of course, the semiconductor industry because, well, we need semiconductors for many, many years to come and we're going to need more of them. But I look at the current price for United Microelectronics Corporation, $10.42. It is off the 52-week high of $11.71, but also well off the low of $3.43. I mean, mm. gosh, that's more than a triple. Yeah. And then also I look at the estimated earnings going out to December 2022. I see it's 90 cents. It would give us a target sell price of $14.94. That, that does look 
pretty attractive there. And I'm surprised. It is a, a large company and about $26 billion market cap. So it, it is sizable here. But, um, you know, as I said, I, I don't think I'd feel comfortable with it being that Taiwanese company. The numbers look good on it. The balance sheet look okay. Or, balance sheet look good. Yeah. So the, the numbers look good here, Wayne. It, it's just the Taiwanese factor that, that scares me a little bit. And, and, and don't forget about the currency. Stay with Intel. Yeah. Well, Intel's a good American company. And I was going to say, uh, and, and, and remember, too, when you buy a foreign company, you also have the currency right. fluctuation that can move against you. The right. stock could be up 10%, but if the currency moves down 15%, right. eh, you, you, you lost five. So so be careful there. Because so. a lot of the semiconductor companies are looking at, they're all over $100 a share, share yeah. now. You know what I mean? Yeah. They don't pay, most of them don't pay a dividend either. No, so no. I was just, I just, I, it just perked my interest. That's all. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? You said earlier in the show that you're, you're interested in gold at this point in time. What do you think of silver? Well, I, I, I always say that gold is the, the primary one we're using as a hedge because we do believe there'll be inflation. So we put uh, that in our portfolio. Uh, silver just doesn't quite shine as much to me as gold, as gold <laughs> does. It's just not the main <laughs> one. And, and the thing with silver that is kind of a little bit different, Sil silver is actually used more industrial-wise than gold is, which is one benefit. But I just always, I mean, the for investing, gold has always been right. the inflation hedge. Silver is kind of, kind of the, the backup quarterback, so to speak. Okay. I just flooded because I own some SLV and yeah. some actual silver. So it's just like a you know small portion. Yeah. Gen generally, they move I appreciate your help. All right, Wayne. Well, thanks for calling. You have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. That opens the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Two four seven three. You know, it's funny. We have clients that just moved back to North Carolina, mm -hmm. and they were telling us their son, uh, I think, plays baseball or something. And but the point is, he wanted a silver chain. Yeah. And that was like the cool thing right now with the younger kids. But they can't find a silver chain because it's <laughs> sold out. So I, I don't know. Maybe there is some potential in silver, and I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's it's the new the new wave of jewelry. But. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I still think, as you said, gold is king here, and I, I, I think gold is, is the better inflation hedge. But, you know, we'll see what happens with silver. Yeah, and, 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 and silver, I'm not a fashion guy, so. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and, and silver, again, I mean, that, that they're talking about the, the younger kids, I think, and so forth, and that seems to be like maybe a trend right now. Yeah. But gold has always been the metal, and actually it's not the most expensive metal because platinum yeah. uh, is actually now the higher than, than uh, gold is. But still, gold has always been the standard uh, so to speak, and those silver can be used in industrial and in jewelry, although so can gold. So, alrighty, let's go out uh, to San Diego and speak with Alan. Alan, you're in the Smart Investor, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, good morning. How are you? Good. How you doing? Doing very well, thank you. Um, I, I purchased um, Hertz, H-T-Z-Z, prior to them exiting bankruptcy as a speculation based on you know, when they get out, they'll have a balance sheet for the most part, or very little debt. Uh, the competition is pretty limited, and there's, you know, they would be the big, they're one of the big three, would call it that. Mm -hmm. uh, I was offered, again, as part of the, I guess, uh, um, deal, <laughs> some cash, some shares, and warrants. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I don't know how to actually play Hertz now. I, I look at, um, I look at them steadily going down of between 20 and 16 that seems to be the range for the last month or so um and uh, some of it may be due to the pandemic as all of the travel related industries are 
but I just wanted to get your input on number one, what should I do with the warrants? The strike price is, I think it's 1380, which is what you can buy the shares at. It's trading at about 16 now and um, looking for some advice. Yeah, and I remember we read about this a couple of months ago, I think yeah. it was, and it was very confusing. Uh, and it was kind of nice to see that the equity holders did get something. It was because many times they'll just re recapitalize and equity holders get nothing. They did do something right. kind of nice for equity holders, and I forget what the deal was. I do remember the warrants coming out. Uh, you said they were what thirteen eighty, I think you said was uh, the price you can buy them at or something. Correct. Yeah. So um, I I do and I, I don't know enough about this to to give you the full information, but I do see that the HTZZ is still trading over the counter. Do you know? when it's expected to be actually on the New York stock exchange? Is it back on the exchange? I, I read about it. I talk, you know, I, I hear chatter about it, but to, to me, I, I'm, I, I think I want to hold on to it. You only lose money if you sell it. So I'm looking at it from, you know, what do you do in two years right, type right. of thing? And, 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 um, and I do have to kind of correct you there, Alan, because you can also lose money if they, Go down and go bang and go further. Yeah. And I've seen that happen. You know, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, we can get to the window holding fold. I, that, that's certainly in the well, Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Well, um, well let's look at the numbers because I, I, I do see numbers here that were filed for June 30th, 2021. So let's kind of look at those and we'll kind of maybe get some more information here for you. And I, I don't see a PE ratio. I do see a price of sales of 1.3 versus 1.8. That's a positive. They have a price of tangible book value. It's 7.1. That's well above the industry at 1.0. They have cash flow. Price of cash flow seven point six versus six point seven. They had a great second. They had a great review, and I mean, uh, earnings recently. You know, yes. I don't understand why they're going down unless it's again. I'll just call it COVID related. Well, and and that could be too because the Delta variance is is out now. So maybe they're going down because of that. Because there is concern that people slow down in their traveling. But I do also mm -hmm. see year over year, and I don't know how this happened, but their sales were down twenty eight percent. The industry was down 11%. Now, one thing, too, I'm thinking is I know going through the bankruptcy, they sold and got rid of a lot of cars to raise cash. Maybe they don't and have when car prices were at their premium, too. So that was another reason why I, 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 I put money into it. Things looked really good, yeah. and they still do. But however, but, but, but however, Alan, they may now have less cars to be renting out because they sold all their cars. So what are they going to do for their, and maybe that's why their sales down. Now you're right. Their earnings do look good. Their earnings were up 60.9% industry up at 197, but you do want to understand, well, wait, how are you growing your earnings at 61% when your sales are down? You got to answer that question. I don't like what I see on the balance sheet here. I'm seeing a total debt to equity of 185 versus 289. Now I, I don't know why that would be that high, but they're still carrying a lot of debt. That could be a problem down the road. Return to equity is a negative 23 versus a positive 1.1. Net profit margin, it's a negative 8.7 versus a positive 2.2. So for every dollar they bring in, they're still losing almost nine cents on that dollar. Chase, are there any earnings going forward? For there, there's no Nothing. numbers going no forward, numbers going unfortunately. Forward, yeah. and, and one thing that I'd point out here too, Alan, is it's still trading on over the counter. Generally, the, the volume is not as high as it would be if it's on a traditional you, exchange. Yeah, the volume, I was wondering that as well. Uh, the, the volume yesterday was like 251,000 shares. At, um, I don't have the shares outstanding. I could probably find it, but... Yeah. Um, okay, so let, let, let's, let's pull a hypothetical. Let's say they get relisted. Mm -hmm. um, more action, more more accessibility. Uh, what? 
Yeah, so, so my point here is it, it, it's, if you have less people trading and if they're just trying to get out of it, that's going to depress the price because yeah. it, it, we always talk about in our office, if you look at mm-hmm. the amount of shares outstanding, the average trading volume on a normal market day is just 0.3%. Well, it could be even lower with Hertz if it's just trading over the counter, which means it's a very small uh, population here of shareholders that are like, ah, I'm mm-hmm. just going to get out of Hertz, and that's where the price is now trading. It may not be reflective of the actual value of the business, which is why I think it, it could be more telling once it does get relisted. You could see more action uh, and get derive a real value. The other thing is I'm not sure how the warrants necessarily work. I don't have the contract in front of me, but you said it's 1380. People might just be saying, well, I'll take my profit here. I'll take my warrant right. at 1380. I'm going to sell it at 16. That could be occurring. As I said, I don't have the full contract. Well, the warrants here. are being. Yeah, I mean, the warrants right now. If you just sell, the warrants are about seven dollars, eight dollars. Okay. Okay. All right. So, but if you want to buy again, the Hertz stock, the quote unquote strike price is thirteen eighty. So you got you know. So basically, they're giving you a credit of seven dollars at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, towards your thirteen eighty price. So my my point so there is, people might just be saying, "Well, I'll just take my profit and they'll sell yeah. it," and that's creating unnecessary volume, which is driving the price lower. The last thing I would say about Hertz that that concerns me a little bit is I I don't foresee it happening within the next few years. I mean, I just traveled and I I wanted a rental car because I, you know, it's a pain to still get Uber and stuff. If you're going Mm -hmm. farther distances where where this comes into play, it's nice to have a rental car. But, um, you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, if we do have more of a autonomous type situation, how are they going to be able to combat that? Yeah. Uh, now my next question. I mean, are, are these fleets? Because I compare it to Avis sometimes. I just, just as a comparison, Avis is obviously up, you know, up in the seventies, sixties, eighties, you know, around there. Uh, but at what point are these cars going to go electric as well? Rent cars. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. You so, know, is that is that in the portfolio? Yeah. Uh, so I mean, in, in any case, gentlemen, that, that that's that's the reason I called. I, I thank you so much. I listen to you time to time. And uh, I was lucky enough to get through and share some time with you, and I, I appreciate your thoughts. Well, we appreciate the call, Alan. You have a good one. You too, sir. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. All right, that opens the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And I was going to say, too, Chase on Hertz uh, for Alan and other people as well. I think the next quarter is going to be a very important quarter for him. I mean, you got to watch this closely when you have it. Because there's a lot of moving parts going on with this one, a lot of confusion on the warrants. I remember there's some cash. I remember reading the deal, I think it was like two months ago, and it's like, because I thought about, should we buy buy Hertz? And there's some things I couldn't get the answers to, and I thought, if I can't get those answers, I'm I'm not going to get into it. They went bankrupt for a reason. <laughs> good, good point. Yeah. So, and yeah. my big concern, more so on the future side of it, is you know how, how are they going to manage that? And we've seen companies before where they go bankrupt, and they don't learn their lesson. They go bankrupt back again. again. Yeah, so. especially if they got that debt of uh, uh, yeah. You know, I, would, I would need to look at that closer to see. I, I, I'm just gonna. Well, quick. I'm curious too if if the the capitalization is finalized because they haven't. Yeah. Necess- are, so my question: Have they fully reemerged from bankruptcy yet? Because if this is still not a full reemergence, then the balance sheet's not fully telling of of where they're at. Uh, yeah, the balance sheet is as of June thirtieth, updated uh, August thirteenth. It is by sources of ten Q, so that's that's good. So they do have cash and equivalents of one point eight uh, billion dollars. Yeah, it's a million, so billion dollars. Let me just take a quick look. 
while their debt is still nine point three billion. That's what that's what I'm saying. It's, it's just it's too complicated right now. Where yeah. is this? I I don't know enough of the story. Is this finalized? Are right. these the new numbers of the company that has reemerged yeah. with from bankruptcy? If right. this is not the fully reemerged company, then these numbers are useless. You know, and, and I was wondering too, as we were speaking, and I was thinking about things. You know, because there is a shortage. You couldn't get a rent a car for your thing. Is there a rent a car Airbnb coming out where you can start renting out cars? And I thought there was something like there's that. Before. A couple of things like I that. Think, yeah, yeah, because I think it's called Zipcar. Or there's Zip there's different type okay, of deals. So yeah, yeah, because then it's just like that could be another. I didn't place. catch on that well though. I did catch on. No. Well, maybe because of the fact that it wasn't. It may be too hard to get or something. Well, be, it's more of like a short-term rental. Well, yeah, and that's what you want for a rental car. I mean, you go out Well, I mean, like, like, well. Like an hour? It was only, yeah, for an hour. That's Yeah. It. Oh, really? Okay, well. Yeah. Okay, let's start a car Airbnb. Well, but isn't that just a rental car? <laughs> What's a rental car? But again, well, again, the, the demand is there. Oh, uh, you're saying is they're going to, but there's yeah. no real changing the, I don't see how you would change the business model of renting a car, I guess. there's. I don't think there's going to be a disruptor, but there could be new competition. New competition. That's what okay. I'm talking about. I thought you were just age. saying there's going to be an Airbnb for it where you go rent a house or you go rent a car. I'm like, yeah, that's what they do. They <laughs> rent cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying that because, again, <laughs> if new, you can't yeah. get the cars, you got more competition coming in that could take, uh, <laughs> eat their lunch down the road. I, I don't know. I mean, I know I would not rent out my cars. But I know people, they don't care about the car. Like, oh, I can make money off it. Sure, I'll, I'll go ahead and do it. Yeah. Uh, and somebody comes up. And, and I have heard, I, I we talked to somebody at her office yesterday. She waited two hours for a lift. What is going on with the with a car uh, riding business? There? <sighs> yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's tough. So, all right, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's head out to Alpine and speak with Jim. Jim, you're on the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, good morning. Interesting talk, interesting talk about the uh, rental car industry and the Airbnbs, of, you know, you know, I mean, you could probably get, you know, 15, 20 bucks an hour for your Whammobile. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, just saying, just saying, you know, but they'd have to like green. What can I say? Right. <laughs> uh, so I called you a while back about Carnival Cruise Lines, and I'm just uh, got some leaks in it that uh, expire this coming January. And uh, I'm still uh, nicely ahead on the deal, and I'm just deciding how greedy I want to be. And what okay. are the leaps exactly? Are they? I, I remember you calling about it, Jim, but I don't recall if it's a put, call, buy, sell. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. It's a, it's, it's a call leap that I bought the 15 strike. I think I paid two or three bucks for it, so I'm probably in like an 18 bucks all in. Okay. And, and you're naked on those. You don't own the underlying stock, correct? I No, not, but I'm buying, so there's yeah. no reason. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, it's a call, so yeah. I don't know any other way to do it than be naked, frankly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you... So to kind of explain this to our callers, what this means is you have the option on in January to buy the stock at 15 is, right. is what you have the option to do when that call, uh, when that option does come close to that, that strike there. Yeah, because you're buying the call, not selling the call. That's why I got mixed up. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. Actually, yeah. 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 So. And actually, Chase, I believe you just described a European option. This is an American option that I can buy anytime I want. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. But most of the time, you, you kind of let it ride till the end. Unless there is a huge premium there, so, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's get to the fundamentals to see what it's looking like. Because again, Carnival Cruise Lines, I see it go across the screen from time to time. 
and just say, oh my gosh, I think it was like a high, well, Chase will get the numbers, but I think it was like a high 25, I think it down around 22. Looking at the numbers on Carnival Cruise Lines, we see no PE ratio, no surprise there. There's no earnings over the last 12 months, same thing as the industry. Wow, price to sales, this surprises me, 184 versus 8.5. I thought they had some sales going on, but actually that could be sales that they kind of made deals with like a year ago of people like oh you know you 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 bought this a year ago but yet they got to honor all those things they did a year ago price to book value 1.6 that is positive compared to the industry at non-material and no price of cash flow versus the industry at 50. they stopped their dividend no longer pay the dividend sales are down 99.2 percent year over year that's worse than the industry down 49 percent earnings per share for carnival cruise line down 142 percent Versus industry down 72%. By the way, these numbers are fairly recent. They're, well, actually, they're not. They're really uh, May uh, 31st. So we'll be getting new numbers probably in a few weeks here, but we won't see them for a few weeks after that. Uh, look at the balance sheet. Here is the problem. Current ratio 1.2 versus 1.3. That's okay. But debt to equity 172. Now, that's pretty bad. We don't like to get the company below uh, 120, 130. But the whole industry, 507. This whole industry just borrowed, borrowed, borrowed money, and they got to pay it back someday, which kind of worries me. Return on equity is a negative 47 versus a negative 73. Net profit margin for Carnival Cruise Lines, well, wow, a negative 6,472. <laughs> That's <laughs> a lot worse than I thought it was. Uh, we do see receivable turnover, wow, 0.3 versus 6.3. Inventory turnover, 4.7 versus 12.4. Chase, I don't know if I should send this to the doctor to repair this or for you for the earnings because this company is medically sick. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at the, the current price, you were correct, it's $22.86, but the 52-week high, wow, it got as high as $31.52. Wow. And a 52-week low was $12.11. If I got to November 2022, I see estimated earnings per share. Well, that's just $0.28. Cents. If I use my 16.6 .6 multiple here, would give us a target sell price of $4.65. And mm -hmm. what's happened here with Carnival that just scares the heck out of us is the amount of stock and debt that this company had to issue to survive. And I say had to, because if they didn't issue the stock and debt, there's Maybe no gone. way they would have right. made it. And, I mean, I'm trying to find here the shares outstanding real quickly. Um, I do believe they they darn near doubled compared to where they were before the pandemic actually started. So, I mean, it, it, it is something that is a little terrifying. Yeah. The, the, question, the question is, I mean, recently... Uh, like several months ago, it was it was climbing nicely, and all of a sudden it took a big hit, and it's on another upward trend. And I'm going, this company is toast. Why yeah. is it on an upward trend? Well, and, and, and that's a speculation because um, when we buy companies, Jim, we're buying for companies three, four, five years down the road, and we would never buy Carnival Cruise Line. Now you have your leap expiring right. in, in in January. That's only right. what four or five months away. You may make yep. some good money on this because people out there are like, oh yeah, the cruising is back and so forth. They're just looking at, they're not looking at the fundamentals, they're just looking at speculating is what they're doing. Yeah, and I, I did pull this number up here. Before the pandemic started, the quarter ending, uh, let's see, February 29, 2020, and then we kind of started the pandemic in February, but they wouldn't have issued shares during that point. Their shares outstanding were, gosh, I just had it, there it is, $528 million. It's now $974 million. So now you're sharing that profit with, uh, gosh, we'll call it uh, about 400 million more shares. I mean, it, it's 450 million more shares for that that, that matter. So it, it's almost, as I said, doubled there. I mean, that's a yeah. huge, huge increase, which, again, lowers the earnings per share. And I don't see how they can get back to where they were 
prior to the pandemic because they're not going to double their profits no. at the same rate to get back to justify that stock believe, price. And I believe that debt, when we, I remember looking at it, I think we said it was pretty good because I believe the industry rate was around 11%, I believe. I like 11 to 13, 13 yeah, yeah, high. Which was, well, actually good for what we thought they yeah. were gonna pay, but still they gotta pay that interest on that, so that's gonna take away from their earnings as well. So, um, Jim, you just gotta keep your fingers crossed yeah. that no one and, and I mean, listens to our another, show and I'm, hears this negative yeah. stuff. <laughs> well, another thing too, Jim, is I, I honestly, would consider either selling the call or depending on the numbers, you could, as you said, exercise it and sell Carnival yeah. Cruise Lines to lock in your profit. I mean, it could go higher. I mean, it, yeah. it could catch that trend of, oh my gosh, we're reopening the economy. We could, could hit that meme stock. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you could see that craziness, but I mean, the numbers just don't justify it. I think if I owned it, I, I would heavily consider selling that call or exercising the option yeah. and selling the, the underlying stock there. Yeah. Is yeah, that, I just, I mean, uh, some of the stuff you mentioned, I believe, last time is that there's there's some huge number of people who are booking cruises now. Apparently, uh, I think you like one of the one of your uh, subjective comments or on it was yep. maybe. Yeah. There's, there's a huge number of people booking cruises, and it's like uh, I'm going, huh? Uh, I mean, fortunately, I'm up nicely on it, so I just. Uh, and you may want to consider a, a price to sell at as your bottom because, again, this could go down and all of a sudden, gosh, I had a great profit. I lost it all. So consider like a bottom number to kind of sell it at. And then on the other side, just kind of speculate and kind of gamble, saying by January, I mean, people say, yeah, they got these cruises coming out now and the stock could go to 25, maybe it goes to 30, something crazy. Um, and you can make some good money on that, but it's just very speculative. I think what I'm going to do is sell to my cost basis. You know, mm -hmm. and so that my cost is covered, so that I'm net zero into the stock. Yep. And um, just, just let the rest of it hang out. See what see what happens. You know, exercise the rest of it. And yeah. See what happens. Yeah. I think it's a good idea. Jim, good talking right, to you. Always a pleasure. See you. Bye bye. All right, that opens up the phone line eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four. Seven, three. And we're not going to be rich because the idea of the Airbnb car rental idea already exists. Yeah, I shouldn't have said it on air. Somebody already took it already. Yeah. But it's what funny. I actually got an email from Greg. Uh, I think he normally calls from La Jolla. And then also Susan on Facebook. They both brought up the name of the company is Turo. So you can go to Turo and then you rent somebody's car out for however long you need to. You know, that sounds familiar. And I thought there was a company, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we got some great listeners just kind of keep us informed that we have this whole group of people that kind of help out other uh, investors there. Speaking of that, uh, we do have a workshop coming up on uh, Thursday, August 26th. Uh, it's going to be a great place to learn about the fundamentals of investing and the strategies we use to find good value investments, how to invest during a volatile stock market, and investing to build wealth and get ready for retirement, to build your retirement, to build your net worth. That's what we're going to do at the workshop. It is going to be, again, August 26th, Thursday at 6 o'clock in Scripps Ranch. It is free. Got to sign up. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. You can also call the office. Talk with Brianna, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Oh, six. Well, let's go back to Facebook. Uh, Vincent sent a message in. What's up, Vincent? Uh, yeah, so uh, Vincent says, hey, guys, I'm looking to buy AT&T. It's pulled back 10% since April. 
April, is it worth further research? And uh, AT&T, I, I think most people know that that company, pretty large here, so excited to look at the numbers here. Yeah, uh, AT&T. Uh, let's see here. Let me pull that up. Uh, I, I thought he had a longer thing. He, no, uh, I'm Vincent, sorry. Yeah. yeah, Vincent never has a long. Jason has long things. Yeah. Vincent has very short. AT&T. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let me look at it real quick. All right. Uh, company is AT&T. Symbol is T as in Tom. Uh, no P.E. ratio for AT&T versus 17.9 for the industry. Price to sales looking good, though. 1.1 versus 1.9. No price to book value for the company or the industry. Price to cash flow, 8.1. That is above the industry at 6.3. Now, you do get a 7.4% dividend. The dividend pay ratio is not material. We also know there are some deals going on here with a sell-off of Discovery or to Discovery and a new company and so forth. That dividend will become the future. We don't know exactly what we'll be at, but don't think you get the 7.4% forever. Just want to point out that we'll be changing. Uh, sales year over year were up 0.5%, uh, below the industry at 2.4%. Earnings per share fell by 119%. Industry up 41%. You want to ask yourself, what are they doing? Are they doing some accounting here to reduce their earnings by 119% when sales are actually a little bit positive? Look at the balance sheet. Current ratio 0.8 versus 0.7. That's positive. Debt to equity for AT&T, 111 versus 301. Return on equity, a negative 1.3 versus positive 23. Net profit margin for AT&T is a negative 0.3 versus a positive 10.5 and then receivable turnover is 8.9 versus 7.6 and no inventory turnover to cell phone streaming type company so yeah <laughs> you know i before i get into these numbers i was going to say i do think it's so funny there was speculation after the deal was announced that a lot of longer term shareholders that held the company for income were selling it which was driving the price lower why in the world would you sell this company if you're an income investor and they're cutting the dividend the reason I say that is, number one, you sold it halfway through the year. You're going to get about 3.5% because the yield is around 7%. So you'll get about 3.5% through the end of the year. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you can find many dividends that high. And then also, too, even after the cut, it's still going to be around 45 to 5%. <laughs> I mean, it, it just baffled me that right. it'd be, oh, well, they're cutting the dividend. I'm going to sell AT&T. Maybe people were just, like, worried about the future of it, but I, I think it— I think it is a good move what is occurring. I think they can focus more on the growth business on one stock and right. really the, the highly cash flow generative business, which is your mobility and your uh, fiber. And, and, and based on the numbers nationwide, uh, their phone business the, has really improved. I mean, they yeah. had terrible service years ago. They've worked very hard to get that better. Now, I'll say there's going to be somebody out there like, oh, I hate AT&T. They were terrible to me. That's always going to happen with somebody. But overall, they're improving the service, the business, and so forth. Uh, it is a great company. You're still writing the dividend, though. And I think some people shoot and ask questions later, or they got them mostly pissed off, like, fine, I'm going to just sell the stock. Well, you didn't hurt anybody but yourself. And again, you can't really go out and find that another dividend. You brought up a great point. You sold it at uh, with a 3.6% dividend half of the year. Well, we're going to go out. you got to find another company paying a 7% yeah. dividend to catch up to what you would have had at your state. So sometimes people like them, and that's why we say our, our logo in our firm, no emotion, just results, because we think before we move. And I think some people, as you're right, they just move like, before they think. Exactly. Um, well, I do want to give the numbers here for AT&T. Current price, $28.19. 52-week high, that's $33.88. And the 52-week low was $26.35. If we go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $3.22. Would give us a target sell price of $53.45. So a, a nice 
target sell price there from the current levels again $28.19 so I, I, I like AT&T I do believe that this stock could be in limbo for a few months to come just as more of the details kind of get worked out between Discovery and that new company and then also kind of AT&T's I'm going to call it its legacy business right. of what they, they're really known for. So I, I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of movement here. But but again, you're still going to get a nice yield. You'll get uh, the 7%. I don't know. You might get one to two more payments of that 7%. We'll have to see when they actually do cut that dividend. But, yeah. um, you know, either way, that that's still not a bad yield. Yeah, and then a good yield even yeah. after they, they do spin off that business. Yeah, because I think we'll get one in, in – uh the third quarter and the fourth quarter. I just don't know if you missed your the window for uh, the, uh, the the buy date. I don't know when they go ex dividend. I don't know their ex dividend date. I don't know their their pay date off the top of my head. Oh yeah, so. yeah. Because I'm looking at, at, at these numbers the quarter, are June thirtieth. Yeah. I'm thinking, well, yeah, September's a long way away. But well, no, it, it actually is. September thirtieth is still more than a month away. So I, th- I think they they will still get a pay date now. Yeah. yeah so. so but so I got a couple more. And again, and, and I think there's some positive with AT&T going forward uh it's not going to double from 28 to 56 anytime soon but we think it's a good one with a good dividend um you know uh but I, you gotta understand what's going on with the, the I would really there. say with AT&T I, I think the upside's much higher than the downside yeah I, I don't really see much downside to this business uh, you might not get much growth on the stock price but I, I think you could get you know uh, few percent in terms of growth on the stock price, but you, again, pulling that 5% growth on the, the dividend, or it's not 5% growth, the 5% dividend, and you pair that with the few percent on the growth of the stock price, I mean, now you're looking at averaging 8%. I mean, that that's not, right. not a bad place to be. And again, I'm not saying that's going, what is going right. to happen, but if you kind of think about that um, through the kind of methods there, I mean, it, it, it it's appealing. Right. And you have a good point, too, that you see the upside is more likely than the downside. And that's what investing is about. You're, you're never going to eliminate all the risk. I mean, yeah. that, that, you know, if that was the case, I mean, you, you wouldn't be earning, you know, the, these returns. There, there is a risk of investing. You as an investor, you have to kind of go over that risk and say, what type of risk am I taking? What do I want to take? Do I understand the risk? And this is why I think a lot of people lose money investing. They don't understand what the risk is. They just invest like, oh, this is great. Is this going to happen? So forth. You really need to understand what are the pros, uh, what is the upside versus the downside? What could go wrong? And when, when we invest, and again, we'll share this at the workshop, we, we talk about looking at what could go wrong. That's much more important, in my opinion, to invest because if you lose money, you can't make it back. And yeah, it's always great to be the hit of the party talking about cryptocurrencies and talking about the meme stocks. Oh, yeah, everybody wants to talk to you. But I'm more worried about losing money. And, and the downside as opposed to the upside making tons of money. Yeah. No, I, I, absolutely. I mean, I, that's why we don't like to, to speculate. We, you know, it's a, a very measured investment when we, when we look at buying businesses and like, oh, this is so fun and exciting. And, yep. Wow. <laughs> say, well, well, we'll be boring, but we'll be boring sitting in the corner making our money. Right. We, we've got some companies that we think were exciting and stuff i mean but know, most people don't i know well we we think they're exciting but they're, they're not the exciting and you know why they're not exciting because we understand them i think people get excited about stuff they don't understand like uh, uh what is it palatier or something some of these other companies these high flyers like what do they really do you know <laughs> cryptocurrency what really is cryptocurrency <laughs> i'd love to kind of get an off topic here but we only got a few minutes left is uh 
Ted Cruz uh-huh. was talking about regulating cryptocurrency. He said, how can you regulate something if you don't understand it? How many of you senators <laughs> understand <laughs> cryptocurrency? And it's like, I think it's a great point. Yeah. But uh, I do disagree with him there. I think cryptocurrency needs regulation because I don't think the people buying it understand it. Right. And I, I think that it's ripe for, I mean, we saw there was like $600 million worth of a, a recent hack. Hack. Yeah. And they use it for ransomware. So I, I do disagree with him and, on that regard. And I I do as well. I, 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 it is funny what he says, which is true, but not to regulate cryptocurrency, but regulate the trading. Yeah, That's what they need to do because it's just this wild, wild, wild west. I mean, look what Elon Musk did. He came out and said all these great things. Oh, I'm buying it. Oh, I'm selling it. And all, all this and all. You know, it's like a, almost a pump and dump scheme. Yeah. You can't do that with a stock. They, they need to regulate the trading of cryptocurrencies. And if people want to buy it, fine, go ahead. But try to make it so that they're not burnt other ways by by the trading side. And I'm sorry, I still just do not get it. Where people that are advocating for, well, it's decentralized, so you you can't track it, and it's great. <laughs> but now all of a sudden, you can track the hack. So to me, I see that as a negative on both sides because number one, if it can't be tracked, well, then it's ripe for the uh, ransomwares, the hacks, yeah. and somebody could literally come in and steal your Bitcoin, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Well, that sucks. But on the opposite side, well, no, 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 you can track it, and it can be tracked down. Well, then it loses the whole lure of the decentralization. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I, I just try and think through it logically, and it, I, I don't, I don't get it. And people, you know, they've done well with it. Congratulations, but I, I will be staying out of cryptocurrency because it, it makes absolutely no sense to me. And until you can understand it and what it is, and again, I do believe cryptocurrency is here to stay forever. But I do believe the governments of the world are going to step in and do digital cryptocurrencies, wiping out all the other little guys that, that have it there. But again, we, we don't do foreign exchange trading. We don't yeah. we do not do any of that. So we would never do the crypto trading because I don't trade currencies. Right. right? It's just – and currencies normally aren't going to have the type of volatility that, that these cryptos have currently. So right. I don't know. I just, I, I, yeah. Little rant there to end the show basically. Yeah, but. Let me, let me promote the workshop one more time there because, uh, again, these are things we talk about the workshop, trying to make people a smarter investor, going over fundamental analysis. And, no, we're not going to be talking about the hot stocks that you should be investing into. We're, we're talking about building a good, strong portfolio, how I've done this, how from my 40 years plus years experience, how I built a, a very strong financial firm by doing fundamental analysis, by doing the fundamental investing. We show you everything. We, we talk about it. And, by the way, our money is invested really inside your money. And we show you how we manage our own money, which you don't see a lot, but you got to sign up for the workshop. It is free. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com, smartinvesting2000.com. The workshop is going to be Thursday evening, August 26th at 6 p.m. Uh, it is free, but you got to sign up again at our website. You can call the office as well, 858 546 4306, 858 546 4306. Talk to Brianna. She could just signed up. But a lot of great information. We give information on how to invest using strong fundamental analysis as opposed to playing a gambling casino. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just knocked your mic there, made a little noise for our listeners. But yeah, no, I mean, we're, we're definitely looking forward to it. We love doing them. You know, we, do, we try and do about 10 a year. So, I mean, well, we, we love doing them. It's right. a lot of fun to kind of talk to different people, get their perspectives. I think we are adding. A couple new slides this time, too. We are. We so, are. Yeah. It'll be the first time we'll, we'll promo those. There's the closing bell. Thank you for listening to the Smart Investing Show. It is for informational purposes only and should not be used as investment advice. 
If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs, have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Or visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information and investment tips, go to our Facebook page, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. Today's show is sponsored in part by Thompson Reuters Refinitiv. Closing song, Frank Sinatra's My Way, is performed by local entertainer, Roman Palacios. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week to the Smart Investing Show. And may I say, not in a shop. This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management.